what is up, my fellow humans? How's everybody doing? I hope everybody's having a wonderful day. It's summer, and today is the 4th of July. If you are here in the United States, I know not all of my listeners are. You guys are awesome. I love you guys. If you are here in the United States, it is our Independence Day. It's the 4th of July. And uh, as I've gotten older, I've grown to really appreciate, you know, the freedoms that we do have here in the United States. And I have grown to appreciate this place. Um, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, there's a lot of fucked up shit going, you know, that has gone on and is going on. And there's a lot of things that need to be improved. Um, it's not the worst place to live by any stretch of the imagination, though. Uh, it's home. So, happy 4th of July to everybody out there. I hope you're celebrating with your families and your loved ones and your friends. And, uh, you know, just remember what it's about. You know, there are a lot of men and women who have, you know, served and sacrificed and paid the ultimate sacrifice. And, you know, a long, long time ago, there were a group of ragtag individuals that said you know what fuck what is going on across the pond we are going to be our own damn nation and here we are today because of it so all right my episode today this episode is brought to you by my good friends over at jumbo superfoods i love these guys these guys are the shit you know they've been supporting since day one and uh you know i love those guys so Go check them out. They have, you know, bombs and they have a ghee and they have sprays and they have drops. CBD, cannabidol, one of the many compounds found in the cannabis plant. And there's a lot of different ways to benefit from this compound. Um, it's an anti-inflammatory, so it does help um, if with a lot of things stemming from inflammation, which are a lot of autoimmune deficiencies and disorders um it can help with digestion and mood regulation and sleep i take it every day before i go to bed so there are a lot of people who are getting a ton of benefit from these and i am as well and i believe you will as well if you aren't um currently using them one of the best things that i or one of the easiest ways to try cbd if you are a little weary because i know some people are is just try the muscle bomb try the bomb it's topical and um if you're having sore muscles or sore joints, I guarantee you you'll have some relief um, by using this balm. So go check them out. You'll save 20% off of your entire order. Go to jombocbd.com. Use the code OUTSIDE when you check out. One more time. Save 20% off your entire order just by using the code OUTSIDE when you check out. All right. My guest today is an OG to the MMA combat fight scene. Uh, I sit down with Jermaine Andre, and he has had a hell of a journey. Um, I talk about it a little bit on the podcast with him, but, you know, I've known of Jermaine for a long time. He's, you know, been around for uh, quite some time, and he's had a gym here in the St. Louis, and he's been coaching, and he's put out some pretty good fighters. And, um, you know, I fought one of his one of his guys, you know, back in the day, you know, uh, Daryl Cobb, good friend now, and we, we've trained together since, and, you know, I really respect, you know, that guy, and he's a, he's, Jermaine's much more of a traditional martial artist in his mindset, um, you know, 
just the, the principles and the foundations and the philosophy that come with martial arts is something that he has seemed to very, you know, to embrace very much so. Um, but he has not had an easy go of it. He's definitely had a very interesting journey. So I was, uh, more, you know, more than, uh, eager to sit down and, and hear more about that. So I'm going to stop my rambling guys. Let's get to the conversation. Uh, Jermaine Andre, ladies and gentlemen. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so um, let's start there with your podcast. How long? So you did that for two years. What was yeah? What was that about? It's called Life Fight. Um, you can go. You go to YouTube. Uh huh. Like, yeah, YouTube and Google it. Jermaine Andre Life Fight. Uh huh. And it was explained. I talked about you know self defense, the fight game. Oh. You know, I try to pull situations up and and tell people what to do. Just talking about you know it's more about everyday you know scenarios. Right. Because you know. People watch us fight in the ring, watch us fight in a cage, stuff like that. And I say, what you see us doing in there, that's um, the we're practicing what we're going to be using in real life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The, just, just the discipline, the calmness, you know. You get smacked one by somebody and you, you want to cry and run out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or you want to get mad and go rage and you know you got to calm down and figure it out. Yeah. That's what keeps us from knocking our boss out. <laughs> you know, so I try to get people to understand that it's not just two animals going at it in there. Yeah. And so that's what it's, it's coming. I'm bringing it back probably in about eh, about another six months or so. Oh, okay. Cool, yeah, cool, but cool. I'm, tr- I'm trying to bring it back bigger and stronger. Yeah. yeah. So real quick, do me a favor. Would you mind just kind of bending your mic just a little bit closer to your – like oh, closer? Yeah, just a little bit closer. There right we go. Right there. How's that sound? Perfect. Oh, Perfect. that does sound better. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> right. Awesome. So, yeah. No, so that was only on YouTube that you did that? It's on YouTube. Yeah, so uh, it's all video? JermaineAndre.com. Uh-huh. No, it's, um, we have one that was video because okay. we were actually working into video. Oh, okay. But then that's what I had to stop at that moment. I have, having, a, having a martial arts school drains you. you yeah, know, a, especially lot, if a lot of times. Oh, it's, it's crazy, especially if you're not following a commercialized system because mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't get a lot of students. Yeah, you know? not commercialized. You mean by uh, maybe like the McDojo kind yeah, of format? Yeah, two-year two black belt, one-year black belt, you know, whether you're yeah. good or not, which – and when it, this is this, I, I got a joke for you. This is what I say to <laughs> to all of us, all of us tough guys. You know, yeah. I say, yeah, we we sitting here laughing at McDojo, saying y'all can't fight and this that, and they on the back of their yacht saying, yeah, you broke. <laughs> you so know it's saying? so true though, right? Like man. <laughs> so so I actually, you know, I thought about that. I'm a tough type of a guy. You know, we all have strengths, we all have our weaknesses. So I never place myself above anyone. Yeah. You know, except you know. A, child molester or rape something like that and i still go into investigating research and then you look at some of their background and you go oh my god this guy but with the even the mcdojo people i said you know what I'm, i come from traditional martial arts uh-huh. and there's many times you know when i was training training muay thai sparring you know and uh you know we weren't going real hard nobody's trying to kill each other but his 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 knowledge of muay thai matched mine he knew how to block everything in this nest so i throw a taekwondo kick catch him with no problem mm-hmm. and he's like what was that i'm like oh, you don't know that do you right you know what i'm saying so yeah when i realized that and then of course when mma started and then i you know in with the muay thai guys and i could just shoot in and take them down and you know mm-hmm. that's my wrestling and you know i could hip toss that's my judo then we get on the ground that's my jiu-jitsu my russian sambo so i say they still have something to bring so i actually was going to partner up with um uh, and i don't say mcdojo because i don't want to make it disrespectful to him but every, so everybody know what we're talking about mm-hmm. with a mcdojo <laughs> you yeah. know what i'm saying and it was a nice guy mm-hmm. as a matter of fact he's the guy who got me in the movie red canvas okay but uh we got together and we started working together 
and he had good stuff. One of the things that I like that they really have is life skills. They teach those kids how to be respectable. They mm-hmm. teach those kids how to get out there and deal with everyday things. Now, they probably can't beat up the, the local bully in the street who's been fighting his whole life, coming up fighting, punching people in the face, sneaking up on them, catching them off guard Yeah, because they don't even make face contact. But outside of that, I saw a lot of stuff that MMA people who are coming in just to learn how to whoop somebody's ass are big time missing. Yeah. You know, there's definitely positives, I mean, to just being in that environment, right? I yeah. mean, because they are learning at least some martial arts, um, like philosophies and principles, right. hopefully, um, like respect and honor and just different things yep. to that degree. So there's definitely some positives. I think where the issue comes in is where people, they live in this grand illusion, right? That they feel like the things that they're learning in those four walls are, are going to protect them out on the streets. You exactly. know what I mean? Because. Like you said, people see what we do like for sport, but that's just sport. There's there's rule sets there. You know what I mean? And then that's like, right. I mean, I'm sure like you're a, a student of martial arts and history, so it's you know like Bruce Lee. You know, Jeet Kune Do was all all about like whatever works. Adapted. Yeah, you know what I mean. You like, have to adapt. Yeah. So <laughs> that's he, it. I mean, he was all about you know if I had to eye gouge you, I'll eye gouge you. <laughs> like if we're in the streets, I have to win. Like it's for survival. Yep. Yeah, and that's and that's where a lot of even I, I used to train my fighters, and what I would do, they you got my guys who got you know you know all the guys I got yeah. undefeated records, you know winning records, they traveling Cuba, Florida, all doing good, all right. Then I say, okay, self defense day, and they'll come in, you know, and I just bah, chop them in the neck or something, I hit them in the butt. They're like, oh, what the hell was that? I'm like, you gonna run into a karate guy? You know, you're going to be talking that tough stuff, and he's going to reverse punch you right in your solar plexus, and you're going to be dead on the ground, you know. So you have to teach, you have to know how to street fight too, because that's even different. Because I say, okay, yeah, I'm going to teach you guys how to street fight today. They say, all right, sir. I say, all right, we'll wait for the bell before we get started. They say, okay, and I hit him. What you do that for? I say, ain't nobody going to wait for no damn bell on the streets. What's wrong with you? They're like, oh, okay, sir. You know, so then we'll get started. And I say, all right, you ready? They say, yeah. And I just, I just come in wild, just swinging wild. And, you know, it's kind of like, what the heck? Yeah. You know, what's going on? But I said, that's how you're going to get attacked. It's going to be 100% rage. It's going to be quick. Yeah. It's going to be everything they got. And it's not going to be, okay, this is how you block a jab. You know what I'm saying? All right, he throw a hook. This is how you block a hook. And we teach you that. And then when a good fighter comes in, his technique, it's going to be good and clean. You you ready for that? Yeah. This guy's going to be sloppy, you know, awkward, weird. It's definitely everything. different dealing with somebody who's untrained, right? Yeah, you got to be ready because if not, in the first 10 seconds, they're going to accidentally catch you with something. Yeah, they do weird things that weird you never things. expect. Yeah, yeah man. And so. you, you see it all the time, guys coming into the gym who are brand new. Like, you want to be careful kind of training with them, right? Yeah, because they'll make a mistake and put your eyeball out on accident. Yeah, because they, they don't – like if you're if you're more seasoned, you're expecting kind of certain things right. because there's that's, a rhythm. It's yeah, a dance. Exactly. You know, it's a dance because you're entertaining still. So when you're coming in, you you got the, you know subconsciously. Yeah. Even though we fighting each other and I want to murder you and you want to murder me for the win, we know we both fighters. We gotta look right and do. So we got a dance going. Yeah. They come in like you say. You say throw a jab cross and they do that. You're like man. Yeah, you almost put my eyeball out, but right. that's not a good jab cross. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? It's like, that's not how this is done. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, I deal a lot with that with uh, just doing jujitsu because that's mostly what I do these days, just a ton of jujitsu. Yeah. And um, just those white belts, they're just so spastic just because they're just learning how to use <laughs> their – up Yeah, on they you. don't know how to use their body yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, man, so I first, like, um, for the listeners, like, I mean, you're Jermaine Andre. You know, you have a gym here in the area, or you've been coaching in the area for a really long time. Um, you know, you fought all over, you know, on the world level. 
Um, you know, you've done very well. Um, you know, what two-time world champion, right? Yeah, five-time U.S., two-time five-time world. Five-time U- yep, U.S., right? And actually, there's argument that my U.S. titles are world titles, too. Okay. But the that's when the fight game first started. There were no sanctioning bodies or anything like that. Yeah, yeah like you're pioneering the sport, right? Yeah. I mean, you've been around. There for weren't even white weight classes. I was fighting. I was 183 fight guys, 220, you know. Yeah. What what, what time frame was this? It's about 96, I want to say. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Okay. So you may have the SFC is Brian Madden. He was in Illinois, and we used to fight at the Gateway Center. It was banned everywhere. You couldn't fight in Missouri. Mm-hmm. You, know, you couldn't fight. And then the UFC was coming up at that time, too. Yeah. Now, the SFC had different rules because he was trying to stay ahead of the game. He's trying to get us in the Olympics. So, in the SFC, mm. and that's where my five U.S. titles come from. Okay. But there's argument right now that they're world titles. And that's in kickboxing? No, it's, that was MMA. That's in now, MMA. Now, this is the thing, though. Okay. You couldn't punch to the face on the ground. Mm. Now, you could do everything else. But when he was coming up, it was because we go to fights. Like, I know we had fight, and I, you know, one of my fights, I start introducing the leg kicks. Okay. And I was kicking the crap out of this guy, and I fractured his femur. So the next time I showed up at a fight, they had leg pads for me to wear. So oh, you got to wear this. But not him. You know, I was like, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And so they had, I think the state was there or something, but they didn't have real sanctioning about it. And they didn't know, they, there were no real rules. He had wrote the rules. Yes, yeah, the real but wild But anytime West. somebody got hurt, then another one, but, you know, you could elbow it, and I elbowed a guy to the head. Wow, he was a ninja. He trained in jitsu, so I elbowed <laughs> and cracked his head open. The next time I came back, you couldn't throw elbows. So they were making rules off of how we were fighting. Really? And then even weight classes and everything like that. So it was really weird. But he was he, when he brought it up, you couldn't punch to the face on the ground. And the whole idea was that, you know, the punch to the face on the ground can get too dangerous. So he was trying to create a league that could get out there and get in the Olympics and everything. And it was a great idea. It was working. He, he passed away. Right when he oh. was – yeah, he was, in, he was up there. I don't want to say neck and neck with the UFC because UFC was up there. You know what I'm saying? But he was one of the leagues – but he had his own thing going that was crawling and creeping. And we knew Dana White, and we were hanging with all those, you know, and he knew him. And Dana White liked what he was doing, and it was going really good. Then he just he ended up just passing away. Really? Yep. Man, it happens. There's so many good yeah, organizations. Is. I mean, if, yep. if, like, you know, it'd be like today's Bellator, like, you know, yesterday's Strike Force, or, you know, there's a lot of really good, um, you know, just like number two promotions. Yep. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that was a true wild West days. You know, I first kind of started learning about your story. I, I was getting into podcasts and like, you kind of hear some things like when you're training and different things, but you don't ever really know. But then you were on the Aubrey Marcus podcast, like yeah. way when he like was first starting the show. And, um, I learned more about your story and I was just like, holy cow, like you've been through some things and it kind of makes sense. Um, like I hear you talk about, uh, you even mentioned like in our, in our conversation so far about like working with kids, and um, you know I know you're really big in just you know helping the community and like helping kids like develop um, like skills for life, right? Right. And um, and that stems from like your history and your background. Yes. So I really wanted to kind of talk about that some as you know kind of start there and um, and and, well, I'm gonna and tell you this. go from there. If you want to keep this from being a five-hour podcast, you have to pick and choose, <laughs> you know, what you want me to talk about. Yeah, so, okay, well, in the beginning, I mean, so you, so you sp- you got in trouble for, for was it? Armed for robbery. Armed robbery, okay. And I'm, you can ask me anything. I ain't shy to answer. Yeah, I know you're not shy okay. to answer. So, yeah, like, just take me back to that time, like, what was going on, like, why okay. were, like, you know, what was happening, what Because it's, what it's a good those? story because, it's, yeah. you know, I even had, I'm going to tell you, this to make this as short as I can, I even had a, a girl I was dating. And she said that some guys were bad-mouthing me. You know, I get bad-mouthed a lot. And the reason why is because when Brian Madden was bringing me up, 
he took me around to everybody and said, Jermaine, I'll whoop your ass. <laughs> so he took me to all the schools and said, who fight Jermaine? Fight. Because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to beat everybody locally. Then you spread out. Yeah. You go, you know, and everybody's supposed to support you. You know, so a lot of people didn't like me. And a lot of, there's even a lot of instructors and coaches out there who try to put the snarl at me. You know, but I traveled the world. And this I is when you were first starting in martial yeah, arts. Yeah, that's when I was fighting. first starting. How well, old were when, you at this time? Well, that's, that was when I first started fighting. I started martial arts when I was about five. Oh, okay. I started traditional. You know, but when the fight game came out, was when, right when I was, and actually I was in, locked up, I was in uh, prison, and I was watching the UFC. Okay. And it was like the first ones. And I looked, and I was watching these guys. I said, these guys can't fight. I said, they're just not afraid. You know what I'm saying? Because, yeah. I mean, I'm in, in the big house, the real world. These are pure killers and everybody else. So I done had my real deals. Mm-hmm. And I know how to read somebody looking at what they're doing. And I said, they're not using the martial arts, really. They're just not afraid. You know, and even like Ken Shamrock, one of my favorite guys. Frank, my favorite. He was a great martial artist. But Ken wasn't using martial arts. Ken was just tough. Yeah. He'd come in. And I say, the whole idea of the martial arts is not to be tough. It's to move. You know what I'm saying? Let stuff fly past you. It's to trick him, to pretend you're weak. You don't use strength. So I say, I can whoop their asses. You know, I thought that to myself. Yeah. While I was in there, I said, when I get out, that's what I'm going to do. Because uh-huh. I didn't know what I was going to do when I came out. So that's what got me introduced to the game. But then when I came to St. Louis, that's where Brian Madden was. And, of course, he was challenging everybody to Uh-oh. fight. He had a little group of fighters. said, hey, who wants to fight him? Who wants to fight him? And then if nobody would fight me, you know, he was going outside of town. So oh. that's kind of what started. But the way I ended up in prison was I was uh, in high school. I graduated. I had a, a high school sweetheart. And she was a junior in high school. Well, when I graduated, I graduated as a senior. You know, um, she was going to move back to Wyoming. Okay. Where she lived because her mom was there. Her mom was dying of cancer. Because mm. she was, uh, she was uh, Lakota Indian, Sioux Indian. Oh, okay. All right. So she's like, will, will you come with me? Well, I, I've, always been, I was always, I've always been that loyal guy. If you ever get a chance to read my book, read through it. I'm the guy who would never somebody mess with the crew. I stood there and fought to the death while everybody else was driving off and leaving me there by myself. You know oh, what I'm man. saying? I was always, I mean, cops let me go because they would see that and say, man, you know, we saw your boys leave. You yeah. know, I'm like, yeah, I know, but I ain't, I'll be dead before I'm going to let these people get away with this stuff. Yeah. And they'd be like, man, protect us, get them out of here. You so know, you've always they, lived by a code. Not always. You know, it was like, like buried into me, which goes back to a, an incident that I tell you about. Don't let me forget to tell you about that, that, okay. that it was a traumatic incident that put that into me for the rest of my life. You okay. know, and actually made me take my martial arts serious. But moving along, so her mom was dying of cancer, so she asked me to go. I said, yeah, hell yeah. And I loved, she was bad. Sweetheart. I mean, she looked cold, long hair, you know, gorgeous. And uh, so we moved up there. While we were up there, I had some, some charges down here in St. Louis, some gun charges. And that's why you see me talking a lot. I speak for cops. Because we had some cops roll up on us before. We was just packing because... Of the incidents I was getting in. I, I used to get into a lot of fights with skinheads and stuff like that, all the racist people out there. I used to, me and my boy had a white, black, and Mexican, it was a crew of us, mixed, you know, mixed crew. And we got, we, 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 we going to let that crap fly. Y'all ain't coming strong out here. No, it's here so, in St. Louis. Yes, oh man, St. Louis. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. That's another story there too. <laughs> you know, but we, we, were, we were fighting them, getting into it and all kinds of stuff. So, so you caught a gun charge from that. Yep. So, they, well, they started carrying – weapons got introduced as baseball bats and chains and knives at first. That's fine. Yeah. You know, that's supposed to be – you do what you do. You know what I'm saying? It, it wasn't even nobody trying to kill each other. You just fight until he's done. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't bring that racial crap around here. And then, hey, well, we don't want you blacks in, you know, around here. Yeah. You know? And then I, it, you got a white guy. He'll say, well, I want him around. You know what I'm saying? So it was just mm-hmm. about – but then they started introducing. So, oh, y'all want to go like that. So, of course – you know, it just naturally escalates. Yeah, it has to. Yeah. Or somebody got to give up. And we wasn't giving up, and I'm never giving up. So I got caught with a fully loaded 9mm Beretta with, you know, all kinds of heavy rounds and everything. And the, the cops actually rolled up on us. And 
I was uh, they threw up threw down us because they caught we walking out. We had a 12 gauge Mossberg street sweeper. Now these 17 year old kids. We had a street sweeper and an AKS. That's a, a legal AK-47. Oh. So the AK-47 was legal. The Mossberg street sweep was legal because the barrel was only 18 and a half inches. See, we knew our stuff. <laughs> yeah, because we was for real. We was ready to get it. Yeah. But I had a fully loaded 9-millimeter Beretta, which you couldn't have at 17 years old in St. Louis. Man, people in the hood are certified lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> I know you got to be. You know the law. <laughs> yeah, you got to know your stuff. <laughs> so we were carrying... And the, the cops threw down on us because yeah. we were walking around with the street sweeper. So somebody called said, you got these guys walking around. And while we were laying on the ground, cop had a shotgun on me. And I was reaching for my nine like that. Uh-huh. And while I was going to toss it, but he didn't know that. No. And he saw that nine. He stopped. Stop now. And he's like, get your hand off of that. And I let go. He said, what were you ready to do? Were you going to shoot me? And I said, no, I wasn't going to shoot you. You know, as long as you, you ain't trying to shoot me, I ain't going to shoot you. But the cop was like, man, I could have killed you over that. Yeah, man. You know, I said, I know. He said, you know, you don't care. I said, yeah, I care. I said, do you care if I would have killed you? Well, yeah. It, but he cared. You know what I'm saying? And we, I know a lot of our people getting shot now. Yeah. But, you know, one out of 10 billion officers is dirty, doing dirty crap. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. there's a bunch of them out there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I like to always point that out. This is a white cop with a shotgun in my head, and I had a fully bloated 9 millimeter beret in my hand. After they seen us coming out with more hardware than they had, and that cop did not shoot me. Yeah. You know, but that charge was sitting on me. And when I went to Wyoming, I had to come back for it for court. So when I came back, her mom died. Oh. So she's up there. Like, now, Wyoming is, I think, 5,000 miles away. You know, in Montana, Wyoming? Yeah, no, it's up there. It's a, Way up it's there. It's a good trip. All right, now, I'm a broke St. Louis boy. You know what I'm saying? And so I came back here, and I'm like, oh, man, I got to get back to my woman. You know, she up there, by. she's like, I need you here now. So yeah. I took a little bit of money I had, you know, and, and I wouldn't sell my guns. I never would do that because I didn't want to put it on the streets. I knew what the guns could do. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So. I'm looking at all these guns <laughs> on the bus, <laughs> you know, got them in there. We get back up there. Well, we get up there, and I had a job while I was there in Wyoming. I worked at the Holiday Inn. I had a good job doing setup, and I was learning to be a, a chef, uh-huh. you know. But when I came back, the job was gone. There was uh-huh. no work because it was like the spring. All the kids got out of school. Small town, Sheridan, Wyoming, little bitty town, you know. So they all started taking all the jobs. Yeah, there's only so many jobs. Yeah, so unless you're a cowboy. And I wasn't a cowboy yet, so I didn't know how to ranch or do none of that. I always you know? love if you could work on a ranch or something. If you could like work labor. on a ranch, you good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I didn't know how to do any of that. So <laughs> we're about to be homeless. Our car broke down. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting there saying, man, you know, it's my job as a man to take care of my woman. Okay. You know, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are you supposed to do? So I had some boys up there, some cowboys. That was a little knuckleheads. And so one of them said, well, man, my brother used to work at the 7-Eleven, and they always keep the safe open. And it's right off the highway in the next town. All you got to do, you got all these guns, Jermaine, because he tried to get me to sell my guns. I said, no, I don't sell guns. I don't do that. He said, man, all you got to do, you got all these guns. Make money. Point that gun at him. I know they keep about five grand in the safe. I said, man, I ain't doing nothing like that. You out of your mind because I was not a criminal. You know what I'm saying? Everything I was doing was in self-defense. And I would. I would die and I would kill to protect myself, protect my family because of what happened to me when I was about 10 years old. Yeah. So I was always ready to die. Every single day, I was ready to die. I don't care. I'll die and I'll take you with me. Even police, I say, if you're coming to kill me, you're a soldier. I don't hate you. I love you. But I'll blow you away just like you'll blow me away. And that was my mentality. Yeah. So we're up there. And I said, no, no way. He kept coming at me. I'm telling you, man. And I, so I went to my woman. Now, my woman was on a roll, straight A student. I said, well, baby, you know, such and such. And I ain't going to say his name, you know. But he, he asked me to do this on right. She's, are you stupid? And she slapped me, you know, not bitch slap, but like, come yeah, on. Like, get, You're get a man. What you? Yeah. And I was like, man, I was, I was just telling you. So I went on. I said, man, get out of here. You know, my girl ain't even down for that. You know, so this is what they did. So we sitting at the crib, me and her, we probably a few days away from eviction. We had a knock on the door. You know, so we lock and load. Who the hell knock on the door at 12 at night? Yeah. Open the door. They got ski masks in, come busting in, him and his other cat who about 15. 
throw the money on the floor laughing. They went and robbed the place. Oh, right. did they? Yeah, so we like, now if these two little redneck cowboys, I'm supposed to be the big city St. Louis gangster, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm thinking in my head. So I feel like crap. Yeah, so your ego, you know, feel, you know. It's getting killed now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? These two little, two little white cats, you know, they ain't no tough cats. Just some cowboys with cowboy hats on, chewing their mouth, spitting, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they went and did this, and they had sitting the money. So I'm like, man. And so they, they left out, you know, they said, oh, I told you, Jermaine, I told you. I'm like, yeah, you did. So y'all gone. I, I said, you, just, you shouldn't have came here, though. Yeah. Because now you just made us an accessory. Yeah. And so me and my lady started talking. We lay down. And I'm hipping her to the law. I said, yeah, with them coming here, that makes us an accessory. Right now, we're supposed to call the police on them. If we don't, that's, we're committing a crime with them. She's like, are you serious? I said, yeah. And she, of course, she, well, you can't rat. I said, no, we don't rat. That ain't happening. You know, they need to do their job and investigate. That's how that goes. So yeah. we land her, and I said to myself, I said, man, if she says I should have let you do this with him, I got to stand up and be a man and go do it on my own. Do it on my own. So she said, laying there, she said, Jermaine? I said, yeah. She said, I should have let you do that with Steve. You know, she's like, did you see all that money? I said, yeah. She said, I should have let you do that with Steve. Our rent would be paid. Our car would be fixed, everything. So I said, don't worry, baby. I got it. So that was my Signed my, my permission from God. You know, yeah. this is my job. Take care of her. Just like if I had a kid. That's how I'm 17 years old. You know what I'm saying? Family ain't got no money to send to me. I asked them for it. They broke. They had nothing for me. So Yeah, you was, get to a point, you just do what you got to do. What can you do? You know, that's what it says. What can you When you have no options, you got an option. I say this. I had an option to either be the bad guy or lay down and die. So you're 17. What year was this? 19. I graduated in 90. So 91. So, okay. So I might have been. I might have been about to turn 18. Okay, so like early 90s. Yeah, so it was right after I graduated. It was like the, that spring or something. Okay. I might, have been, I might have been 18. Okay. You know, one or two. But so I planned a good robbery. Now, this is clean. I planned a robbery. It's the robbery. We're going to rob a restaurant where, they, where one of the guys who did that robbery worked at. Okay. Right? So I pulled him in. I said, look, because you can help us keep people from getting hurt. Yeah. I said, look, we coming in. We coming in with guns. We coming in masks, all this stuff. And so we set it up, and I, this is what we did. Uh, you know, we were real athletic. We drove our car a mile away, parked a mile away. We had on sweatsuits. Looked like we were jogging, you know, and had our gear tucked under our clothes. Okay. We got there, got behind the dumpster, changed to our bad guy gear, put on our ski mask. I painted my girl face up you so she looked like she was black. black. Yeah, we was all black cars. <laughs> yeah, hey, what other color you going to throw on? You know? I don't know, maybe orange. So I took makeup, put it on my eyes so I looked light-skinned, and I even used a fake accent. And I told her to talk, and we put some, like, cotton in our mouth so it would mess up so they couldn't get the idea on our accident. Mm. Taped our guns up so they couldn't idea. I mean, we, you know, I was, I was always a smart dude. Mm-hmm. Waited for them so my boy was supposed to come and bring out the garbage. That's where they opened up the back door. And I ain't going to tell too much about how we did this. I know somebody probably sitting writing this down. Taking notes right now. Yeah, Jermaine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, anyway, we, we pulled the robbery and then uh, left. Of course, nobody got hurt. I had a perfect plan where nobody even got hurt. And just to let you know how smooth the robbery went, you know, um, one of the guys, he ended up asking for my autograph. <laughs> you know, they, this is Jesse Jamestown. This is Wyoming. Yeah. So they're looking up to it. they like, oh, Billy the Kid. It's just, you know, that's how I look. Because I didn't come in. All that crap. Yeah. And I'm just like, look, man, I don't want to put no bullets in you, but I will. All we need is the loot. You know what I'm saying? He's like, the loot sure. I said, I know, because it's insure, right? He said, yes, sir. I said, I need you to move this way for me so nobody get hurt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we moved everybody, put them where we wanted, and then we went about our business. Just stayed real calm. And right when we left, I even called the police because we actually we stuck them in a cooler. Now, when we stuck them in this cooler, I gave them all their coats. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? One of the guys, he's lighting up, get ready to smoke a cigarette. And they're like, oh, don't smoke that. He's all like, man, wait, how long are we going to be in here? I said, I'm sending the police as soon as we leave. You know, and he's, I said, don't light that, though. 
He's like, oh man, I said, give me the cigarettes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like, oh shoot, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of that's funny, you know, because I went, we we didn't go there to kill nobody or hurt nobody. Now, would I have if I felt my woman's life was in danger? Of course, who wouldn't? You know, no matter whether you right or wrong, you are gonna protect what you think is your family. That's the reason we were there in the first place. Sure. So we left out. As soon as I leave, I went to the manager phone, called the cops. You know, and I told him I said, you got an officer down at this address. That well, that right there, that puts every cop on alert to get there immediately. Yeah. So we were walking out, we jogged back to our car. We seen the whole town lit up. And she's like, is that for us? I said, yeah, it is. Jumped in our car. You know, cops dropped right past us. Drove, got away with it clean. Well, it ended up, what happened, the one little guy who worked there got busted on something else, and he ratted us out. Oh, man. So that's, that's how it ended up coming through. That's which, how it always happens. Which leads to another longer story down the road. But that's, that's how it ended up in, in, in prison. And they sentenced me to two, five, to seven years. Oh, and, we, and like I said, I don't want to make story too long. But it's, after we committed we that one, okay, after we committed that one, we got us a nice little car, mm-hmm. paid our bills, you know, bought some little food and stuff, because we were, we were actually stealing food. You know, that's the point that we, that's how poor we were. We would go in the store, we Just were stealing turkeys and stealing bread and everything. That, that's, that's what we had, because we had no help, you know. And so once we got the money, and it was, I think it was you know, three grand or something like that, you know, to us, that's 30 grand. Yeah. So we think we can do it. We bought a car for 2500 We got $500 paid our rent. What? It's all gone. So, of course, it's career time, right? What am I going to do? Go back and be a chef? Well, no, nothing happens. So I called the boys up and said, man, look, we need to start working towards bank robbery. But we need more practice. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to mastermind all this stuff. I'm thinking I got it. Well, me and the, one of the boys, we ended up going to rob that same 7-Eleven. Now, yeah. I told him, I said, you can hit the same spot again. The police ain't going to watch it. You know, oh, they, I said, man, I'm telling you. I know what I'm talking about. And so my woman Why would they I, not watch it? Because they think it ain't going to happen there again because it already got hit. Hmm. So they're looking at where they think you're going next. And they always think you're moving state to state or you're traveling or town to town or something like that. Or you're going to hit the next spot. They think you think that's dirty, so a criminal going to stay away from it. Hmm. So that's what I'm figuring, you know, which I was correct. But my woman, I always teach my woman. I said, women have intuition. Yeah. And we teach y'all not to ignore it. So don't ever ignore your intuition. If you feel something, it's true. That's a spirit talking to you. Yeah. Well, the first robbery, we, when we set up, we were ready. We were sitting there. And it was like, look, we had our stuff, it had our uh, gear on, and we backed up behind the dumpster. I looked at her. I said, how you feel about this? And she looked off. She said, good. Let's go. Yeah. The second one, she said, Jermaine, don't do this. I got bad intuition on it. I said, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. We need some money. So, and then that one went bad. You know, nobody uh-huh. got hurt, but it just went stupid bad. It was, it was supposed to go bad because that's not who I was. So whatever is my protects me, the spirit that wanted me to go in the right direction, mm-hmm. he said, you know, already effed up enough. I got what I need to put you in prison <laughs> so you can become who I need you to become. You know, so he made that go bad so I didn't start getting greedy. But yeah. that's one of the reasons I'm a person like today I hate money because I've never been a person with money and I've never been greedy. I've never been greedy. But once I got it in my hand, I realized how fast I spent it mm-hmm. and what it started turning me into. You feel like it was changing you? No, I was changing for it. You were you know changing for I it. I was changing for it. Because I was realized, but then I said to myself, when does, this, when does the hole stop? When you get a million dollars, you want 10. You get $10 million, you want 20. When you got your, your, your condo and a pool in the backyard that you own, you go to your boy house and got an island. Now you want an island. When you got an island, now you want two, like your boy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When does it end? It can certainly be a black hole. Oh, yeah, man. for some people, man, you know, they, they get going down that, that, you know, that path, and it's yep. a slippery slope. It's like when is enough enough? That's all they're chasing is money. Yeah. You let me see your kids. If you don't have you any other priorities. Hours a day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, but. Yeah, I'm a kid. fan of money. I feel like you can do a lot of good. I feel like seeing where you are kind of in life today and, and 
what I've gathered, kind of what you try to do and help others, um, I think you would probably do a lot of good with money. And I finally realized that. <laughs> yeah. So this is what it is. Now, remember, I was never let – me, let, me, let me rephrase that. I was never against money. I was against me with money. Yeah. Because – But you can do a lot of good with because it. Because I'm, sure. I'm samurai. You know what I'm saying? And samurai can be dangerous. Because samurai and – and I'm going to say this because you, you tough. So you can handle it. So your, your listeners are going to have to handle it too. Oh, yeah. A samurai, you can spit in his face and he can walk away and never even think about it again. Yeah. But your samurai, you can have a newborn baby and he can chop that baby's head off and walk away and never think about it again. That's the discipline that they were on for their emperor. The emperor yeah. could call him at any time. The emperor's sitting there and they say, hey, the king of England's coming. He said, yeah, that chump, man, I tell you, he think he, the last time he didn't work that deal. You know what? Uh, get Call 300 of my samurais and have them commit uh, seppuku. In front of him, so that chump know we ain't playing. So the king of England show up. He say, "Hey, what's up? How you doing? It's good to see you. Hey, I got this just for you." Hey, and they all cut their guts out, kill themselves yeah. for him. And they say, "Yeah, how you like that? Yeah, that's what my boy. That's what they do to themselves for me if I tell them to." You get the idea, you know what I'm saying? So a samurai mind. I was a servant to my family, my people. I never wanted things for myself. Yeah. But how much do they need? And that's what it was getting to was okay. If I start chasing money. It ain't going to never be enough. And I, I remember a movie. There was one movie that got made where I could relate totally to the guy. You ever see the movie Brother? I feel like I have. It's um, I can't remember his name, but the Japanese guy, he was, he was a Yakuza, and he comes to America, mm-hmm. and he hooks up with a, a black gang, and they take over. Okay. And well, one real cool part, he sends in his Japanese, his number one guy, to team up with the Japanese that are in America. And the head of the Japanese in America, he says, the Japanese say, I want you to join up with my brother, Anaki. And the Japanese, the new Japanese that's in America, he's like, ah, what do we need you for? We got everything. And he uh, says, I hope you reconsider my brother. And he said, I put my life on. You join up with my brother, Anaki. He's, he's a Yakuza. He's honorable. And he said, so the dude, the main guy, he said, ah, you put your life on. <laughs> put your life on. And the guy says, I look forward to it, brother. Boom, it blew his head off. And that guy's like, so, of course, he killed himself to prove the honor shit. for him. So, I'm like, that was gangster. So, but it gets better. And this is what I was worried about with me, who I am. Well, because that dude was so honorable and did that, that set him off. He said, that's. So, he started going crazy with everything. They started attacking the Italian mafia. They started attacking. Because he's saying, if he died for us to come together and take over, we can't have done what we're supposed to do until we're dead, too. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, the money had no value to him. But he's taking it all. Giving to his people, everybody, we cannot be afraid. Yeah. This man killed himself yeah. to bring us together. How can we be afraid to stop? Man? So that's where my brain could go. You know, I'm, oh, I'm the joker who get everybody money together and burn it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm Chaos. saying? So I say I gotta, I need to sit back, you know, and, and meet different people, bring different people in my crew, some that can calm me down, some that can guide me in a different direction before I just keep leading my own path. Because a, well, a samurai on his own, you know, without that, that leader. Ronin. Ronin, man, and he, you know, he can go either way. He can go super bad or go become a monk, you know. So yeah. I'm always watching myself, kind of. Holy shit, man! I gotta check that movie out. I haven't seen it. Man, brother, is I'm telling you, <sighs> you gonna like it. Yeah, you'll feel it. Yeah, that's yep. man. That sounds like an amazing story. You know, for um, like those um, like martial art films, um, like they have some of the best stories, like the foreign films do. It's it's amazing. Um, now, what happened to you when you were younger? Because I don't know if it was if okay. it's the same instance, but you mentioned two two separate. I don't know if it was two separate instances or one instance. The um, one that the one that set me off that, that grew me up. Okay, um, we were I was living in North County, Hobbits Glen, 
I don't know if they're still there now, but that's when I was – I think I might have been 10 or 11. North County, St. Louis. Yep, North County, St. Louis. And it was my mom. My mom was single. She had just broke up with my stepdad. So we were living in an apartment. And this is when what you – what St. Louis – a lot of St. Louis people know the name called White Flight. Is when blacks started migrating from North City to the county. Yeah. And the whites started moving away from them. Going you know, further some west. Some of the whites. You know what I'm saying? You're going further west. That's called – we call it White Flight. So we were a part of White Flight that we were black. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> my family's from North City, St. Louis. Okay. But we were starting to you – know, my mom didn't want us in the city, you know, because she, she had some bad things happen to her. You know, as far you – know, her brother got killed and things like that and her mm. dad. So she was from trauma. So she always tried to keep us in – decent area which was north county was the most we could afford at that time which worked it helped you know it got me used to dealing with people you see i could talk pretty decent but i can go get old hood if i need to you know what i'm saying i can do whatever i want so we were there and that's like i said i started martial arts now about five or six i had some uncles who were showing me boxing you know some of my friends fathers who were in vietnam that were teaching me martial arts you know it wasn't nothing official i went to the y and started way karate though you know and i was like this stance is weird i don't feel right because i was a bruce lee fan yeah so i was you know and i was picking up on bruce i was very talented yeah man. so i was picking up on all this stuff where i always carried nunchucks and you know we were kids you know what you do you take uh remember those coat hangers with the cardboard rod yeah Take that rod off, break it in half, take a shoestring, tie it through it. <laughs> and so one of my uh, friend's dad saw me with him, and I was good. And I beat my – you beat – we have welts all over us. Yeah, he said, you yourself. need some real nunchucks. So he gave me some real ones. They were black, and they had – he drilled out the bottom and put lead in them, oh. which I actually accredit my arm size to today. People say that, and I'd be, and I'd be and hit myself in the head, almost knock myself out. Yeah, said, dude. You learn how to lose those, you'll be good. So I practiced with them, and I got – Decent with them. Were they like wooden on the outside? Yeah, they were wood, like real hard wood. And he uh. drilled it, just drilled like a, a pencil sized hole and filled them with lead. So they were a little heavy. Yeah. He's like, that's real nunchucks, boy. Because he was a Vietnam vet and stuff. So he wasn't playing. Yeah, you know? probably a little crazy. Yeah, he was, he was loony too. So, <laughs> but luckily he was. But we would meet my brother. He was probably about 12. And I, I could be a little off on the age. And I think I'm more, in my book, I'm more direct on the age. My book, yeah. Tiger, because I was trying to reach ask my mom and stuff. But we were at a park that we always played in, it was right next to this house where these, you know, these, um, I don't like using the term white people because I don't like to enforce racism. Yeah. I'm say this group of these racist clowns live, you know, and they were some of the ones who couldn't afford the white flight with the rest of them. So they were the ones who were standing, standing their ground. We're not going to let these, well, they'd always walk out and look at us, you know. We was at this park, public park, and we were playing, and one of them just came over. You enters, get out of here. I'm sick of you. We just kind of looked. We didn't even know what he was saying. You know, and he jumped over the fence. This is a grown man, you know, and he came running. You guys up. were kids. We were little kids. I was about 10 years old. My He's brother was about 12. You're playing. Yeah, we, we just sitting there playing there. Yeah. And then he came out, and then another older white man jumped the fence. And I'm thinking, you know, because he ran up to my older brother, got in his face. You enters need to get the out of here. You blah, blah, and he pushed him. You know, I was kind of like, and I wasn't getting what was happening. And so this older white man came out, jumped. And I'm like, okay, well, he going to get the younger one. Uh, you know, we grew up to respect elders. I said, at least that's going to happen. And he started, you entered that rivalry. started yelling at me and yelling at our friends and stuff. And then I, while he was yelling, it kind of, he escalated it worse. And he was yelling. This dude started sneaking up. He, it was like, it was, you know, old kind of torn down neighborhood. And it was a fence post with like concrete on the end that had broken down. Uh-huh. And he picked it up and was trying to sneak up behind my brother. With that, he was gonna kill my brother. Which which one was another? The uh, younger one. The younger the first one was. Why the, the older first one. one was yelling? Okay. Yeah, but the older one's yelling. Well, I, and I don't remember my exact positions, but I was in position where he couldn't see me, and I pulled them nunchucks out, and I just as hard as I could, bam! I cracked him in his head, bam! I cracked him. He fell to the ground, was bleeding, 
and laying there. You know, we just looked. And he's ah, screaming on the ground. And I was like, damn, it worked. I didn't think it was going to work, but I had to do something. Something. Yeah, and so we ran off, got home. Of course, police came. We told them, had police, like, you know, y'all good to go. And they got, they got you know, jumped on them, whatever they did. We never had to deal with them again like that. But that was nightmares for me for the rest of my life because I thought my brother's going to get killed. All I saw was them getting hit. So right then and there, I woke up the next morning, and I remember, man, I was just sitting there. And I said, my brother could have been dead. And I was looking at him in his bed. He was sleeping. And I said, I ain't going to ever let somebody kill him like that. And I had two baby sisters, you know. And I said, man, these cats, you know, they'll, they'll do my sisters worse. And then I oh, did. Yeah. And so I said, man. So I started training for real then. I started training by myself. I started working on that sidekick, Bruce Lee sidekick boy, working on my, you know, my jabs and my cross my body. And I would think every time I hit, I got to kill somebody before they kill my people. I got to kill somebody before they kill my fam. got to kill somebody before they rape my little sister. Yeah. And, and that's where my mentality got set. So that realness always stuck with me. It was me. like a real actual life or death situation in that moment. So it's you're, so you're, it, it, because you were so young, so do you think that kind of um, from there on you are just always in like fight or flight? Always. Just, just always ready Survival to Survival mode. Yeah, constantly. Survival, which is one of my um, – Business and financial weaknesses. Um, I'm, a, I'm, you know, like you know, I've had large schools, and they've, I've always dwindled down to a small one, which you're gonna get to see today. The little dojo in the back, which is perfect for me now, because somebody like me don't deserve a big, because I'm not a businessman. You know what I'm saying? And so when this mom comes in, she can't make her payments. I don't kick her out. You know, the way I did it, you paid monthly. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you here if you don't want to be here. I didn't have people on ABC. I know what ABC was. Mm -hmm. ABC gonna pay me. For a year, give me my money, and then they're going to put you your credit on it. And if you don't pay them, they're going to sue you and ruin your life. So I said, wait a minute. If, if this mom just broke up with her husband and they going through a hard time, this man just lost his job because I've had that. And he comes in here and he said, man, I can't afford to pay. I'm going to just give him the finger and let these people attack you and ruin your credit too. I said, that's not my – I can't do that. Yeah. So I just said, man, you know, just – and with kids, I said, just keep coming. And when you can start paying again, start paying again. And, of course – I ended up eating it in the end. It, I mean, I did that for 15 years. And finally, it, the weight just collapsed on me and yeah. smashed me. So that was my weakness financially, you know what I'm saying? But not, not spiritually and not with who I am. Yeah. But that's why I said, but I got people who are loyal to me that roll with me. And they got nothing out of it, too. Except, but they got good training. They got good mental stuff. But we still, you got to, you can't pay rent with that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, you it's can't true. pay rent with that. It's true. So, and that's the reality. If I'm going to be a martial artist, I got to be real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I said, okay. Guys, I got to step back a little bit because uh, business and financial-wise, y'all need to start talking. And they, oh, okay, sir. What? And they, they lit it up. So now I'm letting them come in, and we're going to do the money thing, you know, because now I think I know myself enough. Because I had money. When I was fighting, I didn't have I wasn't, I didn't have uh, O'Connor money. Yeah. <laughs> we never had that. Only but it was, McGregor I mean, has McGregor money. $1,000 to us was money. Yeah. But, you know, I bought a cool car. I put a new – tell them to make my car faster and things like that. It got blown fast. You know, it wasn't enough for somebody to say Jermaine was a millionaire and he blew all his money. It wasn't yeah. nothing like that. I had poor family, you know, that was shelling out to all the yeah. time. France. You know, man, hey, if I got it, you got it. And I didn't, I didn't do loans. Yeah. I give it to you. If you well, give it back, give it back. That's so common, right? I mean, when you kind of grow up in an environment where it's always about just living for today – you know what I mean? It's you don't really get taught those those money things of maybe you should you know put some you know save ten percent or invest here or yeah. you know instead of going and buying something that doesn't have you know it's going to depreciate in value buy something that could maybe help you earn money you know right. invest in yourself in some way you know what I mean and it's it's just a shame so many kids don't have those lessons um, so well on the top what you just said yeah. is because they don't believe they're gonna they they don't believe they have a chance. 
And that's kind of how I was. I was from a poor family. I watched my family lose everything, get something. We had a time where we had a house in, in – because uh, I graduated from Pattonville. Mm-hmm. In Maryland Heights, we had the only pool in the neighborhood. But we didn't have no furniture in the house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We had a, the new Trans Am GTA, the new Ford Escort, the new BMW. They repossessed it in three months. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. my life was seeing it's bullshit. There's nothing solid. The yeah, keep it exactly. There's yeah. nothing solid. So that gets embedded into you. And then you start just living for today, living for today. You don't believe because I get asked it all the time. Where do you see yourself in five years? And people ask me, what do you want? I've never thought about what I want. It's always been what's in front of me and I adapt. Yeah. I adapt, I adapt, I adapt my whole life. That, and that's my expertise and I'm great at it. Yeah. You know, but I don't have a five-year plan. I don't What does that even mean? You know what I'm saying? That's how, I watched my mom's five-year plan and my dad's five-year plan all the way to the day she died. Yeah. And none of that worked. And yeah. she was a hustler. She was out there with Morris Day. And, you know, and I'm not talking about, and she wasn't a skank hustler. She was a worker. You know what I'm saying? She was smart and everything. But I'm watching how that happened. So that still gets in your DNA. Mm-hmm. It, it comes down with you. You know what I'm saying? And then you're sitting there saying to yourself, man, I just got to make this sure things, th- things are right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you see, if everything that you see just kind of uh, is kind of counter to what is being said right. right you know what i mean here's the reality here's what they're saying yeah you, <laughs> you know, know what i mean it's like yeah. you're living a theory but i'm living in reality yeah. and they don't match up and they don't want to hear it they, they can't discuss it because it's not reality to them because a yeah. lot of people who talk like that they have support and they got background they got something they can go to you know when things are really bad they can call a parent get five grand ten grand you know what i'm saying they got something you know but and that's not saying there ain't people who came from nothing that made it oh I yeah know there it can, certainly are for sure i know it can be done you know i mean i did it I still became world champion. I still put dollars in my pocket. But I took that money, and I said, well, man, my friends ain't had a good time. Oh, man, my boy, his engine just blew up. Oh, man, my, yeah. oh, my, my girl over there that I know, she you know, she ain't doing good. And I ain't even call ex-girlfriend. You doing okay? Yeah. And I'm, well, man, you helped me out. I wouldn't even be able to fight if you had to pay my rent that one time. Here's some money back. Oh, dude, you I know? mean, that happens today, every day. I mean, you pick pick a, uh, an industry. It can be music. It can be sports. I mean, where there's young people making a lot of money, there's always just – the people around them yep. you know what i mean like they'll be that's needing and wanting yeah there's no short of people looking for a handout you yeah know what i mean and if you're the type of person who feels obligated to help everybody yeah it's like you, a blessing you can never have enough curse. yeah you can, and that's why i can never let myself love money because i've been like okay i'm not making enough for everybody we're gonna fix this i remember how to do this and get money fast you know what I'm saying? <laughs> except now i'm i got a real team some fighters yeah oh, look guys we're going samurai you know what i'm saying brainwash them they'll do anything for you yeah. you know so i had to make sure i stayed away from that you know, and that's why I'm, I'm really focused on my thing with kids now. Yeah. You know, I've always trained them, and I, I like to grab the kids, just everyday kids, not kids who want to beat up people, even though I deal with them. Like a bully incident happened, and people call me, and they're, oh, my kid's getting bullied by these kids, this and that, that, that. Will you help? Yes, I will. You know, first of all, bring your kid up. I want to talk to him. You know, boost his confidence, give him a hug, take some pictures, let him hold my belt. You know, I got the world title belt. It's under the bed, but I pull it out in front of the bed, so take a picture with it. They're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Boost their confidence. Here's my phone number. He can call me anytime. I'll come over for dinner, whatever. You know, well, what about those boys? That we're going to take care of them. I'm going to go meet their family. Well, what do you want to meet them for? To talk to them, all right? Now, well, I say, I'm here to solve the problem, not to attack who you're pointing the finger at. Because for real, your kid might be the bully. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, for real. And I'm not going to attack him either. But I'm going to come together and I'm going to talk to them and we're going to stop this crap. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of where my I feel my, you know, I'm, I'm more valuable to the world yeah. than just beating people up. You know? 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in that kind of scenario, I mean, a kid would need to 
take ownership of the situation. Whether you're the bully or the bully, like there's some sort of ownership that you can take in it. If if you're getting right. bullied, I mean, learn to defend yourself. Yep. You know what I mean? Because life is hard and it's not fair. And that's the first one you're gonna meet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Especially oh, yeah. as an adult. You're always gonna meet. You gotta know how to handle them and not let them tear your confidence down. Absolutely. And not let them destroy your home from through you know, through what they doing to you. And that's what I focus on more. Yeah. I say, I need your kid. Okay, the bullies, you know, I'll stop to make sure nobody gets hurt. But as far as them picking on them, a lot of times they picking on you because they like you. A lot of times they just think it's funny. A lot of times your kid was messing with them. It started a game. A lot of times it's horseplay. A lot of kids are sensitive you know? these days. Well, that's what happened. And that's what you get a lot. Everybody's screaming, I'm getting bullied. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's not that. And that's why I try and teach them. This, dude, look at this girl. I said, I'm looking at her. You know why she's picking on you like that? She likes you. You ever think of that? And they're like. Well, she did tell me before. I said, okay, well, that's what she's trying to get your attention, you yeah. know. Oh, bully problem solved. Yeah. You know, there was never even bully happening right yeah. there. Man, <laughs> words know? are powerful, and, and if you don't use the right words, you know. You Bullets. Can, yeah, my kids have before, like, they've said something, or, like, maybe they heard a word, but they they almost use it in the right context, but they like they needed to use a word that was just a little less, um, like, it just wasn't as intense of a word. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they're the same situation i've definitely I, I can remember maybe two or three years ago maybe at a summer camp just kids being kids you know what i mean just joking and teasing and stuff but my daughter was saying that somebody was bullying somebody i'm like no I'm like no that that's yeah. not like that's not bullying like there's a, i had to like really explain that because the words you use do matter and like they really mean something um and, and, and intent really does matter as well Big, man that's that's it right there yeah what's the intent and the, the intent only way you're gonna find the intent you got to sit that person down and you can't make them feel afraid, nervous, confused, like you're attacking them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes I, when I intervene, my job is to go friend that family and friend that little kid and get that little kid where he's comfortable with me. And then talk about the incident and find okay, he was bullying. Say, man, look, you know, come on. What what if I jumped up and just started doing something you, you didn't like? Whatever you heard, okay, right. Yeah. He's like being my friend. Okay, that's kind of what he felt like. What she, oh, I didn't know he felt like that. I thought he was just, he laughs every time we do it. Well, some people laugh because they're nervous, afraid. Yeah. You know, and they're trying to stop it. So, so you can't count. I didn't know this. So the education, even saying, that, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were, now they're best friends. Yeah. You know, you but know, if I follow that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I say it all the time. Well, because. That's hilarious you say that because Rebecca started studying that and she started saying, everybody think narcissism is bad. You know, it's a horrible thing. Yeah. But a lot of people are that. And most just TV stars, movie stars, people like that, it can turn into something good if you feed it correctly. Right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> so, what, what, what degree, you know what I mean? Like it can definitely become a bad thing. But when you're that young, your perspective is just it's so, it's so limited, right? And the whole world is just about you, right? Because from the moment you're a child, you're being raised, right? Like you can't do too much for yourself. Right. So it's all about you. And then it's not until I feel like we get older and we start getting some different perspectives. And, yep. and you're being taught hopefully by family members and different things that it's it's not about you it's about everybody, everybody. else yeah it's right. about everybody else around you and like the relationships that we have in the community right like that's what it's really about but when you're a kid you don't see that yeah. like you're just all you do is think about you so there's little assholes yeah <laughs> they just they just think about this i think about that all the time i was a little asshole as a kid i mean there's some sweet kids for sure right? of course but, of course and but they they can all be little shitheads when, yeah, kid, when that's, no adults that's, around that's the, you tell the truth I, I tell parents that all the time say, what i'm trying to think what i say i say they're grub worms yeah. All right. They're there to. It starts off as a child. It's a baby. They you're gonna feed it and take care of it, and they're gonna crap all over the place and scream. Yeah. You, don't, you know what I'm saying? That's For it. Real. And if they, they will stay at that mentality, 
if you don't teach them that it's not about you getting your bottle when you want it. Right. You know, and I have to do that a lot even in the school. I have parents that have problems with these kids, and they'll bring the kid up, and the kid will be acting a fool. And they'll say, go ahead and learn, and learn martial arts. And they'll come in. And I want to say, get off my floor. And they'll look at me. Mom, I want to go. Well, he wants to. Know, I don't care. Standards. He ain't gonna be. I treat you like that and come in here and say, "Come here. You want to learn martial arts? I need reports from your mom that you're doing what she tells you to do." Tells you to do. And the kid, okay. And then he start. Wow, he straightened up. I said, "Yeah," because nobody ever said it to him. You guys just let him do what he wants to do. Yeah. And when he kick and scream, you give him what he wants. That's that bottle theory. You know, this, you, he's too old for that. You know, yeah. so a it's lot amazing of to get see taught. the change in those kids. In yeah, those it can happen like that, man. You can see martial it. arts will change a kid. Boom, with you, the right instructor. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, have you ran across this issue of, um, you know, you're working with kids, but you know, if the parents don't reinforce at home, I mean, the kids are only with you, you know, maybe three, let's say, three hours a week. But there's a yeah. whole lot of other hours in the week, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like if it's not being reinforced at home, you know, do you run into that issue as well? Um, or how do you deal with that okay, issue? Okay, I'll tell you. What question. I did, we have a, a pink slip system. Okay. And I would have it where that's when you're in trouble. All right. The parents all get them. Here's a stack of them. Here's a stack for you. Here's a stack for you. You know, I say take it home, put one on the refrigerator, leave it there. You know, then I tell the kids, if I see you get one of these from your parents, you understand, right? Yes, sir. So. They use that as a disciplinary act, and that puts me in their home. Oh. Because that's what they forget about you. They go, you know, they come Kinda here. Give them a and yes, sir. This is sir, sir, sir. They buy and all that stuff, and they walk off. It's rap music in the backseat. Oh, yeah, F a nigga. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then they get home, they with their friends. It's worse. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's the influence they get. And then you got TV, you know, because now the way our society's made up, parents got to work. What? If you don't work overtime, you're a jerk. You know, you're going to do overtime today? No, all right, get out. We'll get somebody to replace you. Come on, overtime? You're not supposed to have to do that. So it's off of money. Society's getting so greedy that you can't even be at home with your kids. So what's raising your kids? TV, YouTube, you know, the Internet. friends. Other people's, their views. The daycare center, that's their views and their values, you know. So that's the first thing we do is put a pink slip at the house. And so those parents, when they're having problems or anything, they say, Look, I'm not going to – I tell them, first of all, don't argue with your kid. Yeah. You tell them what you want. They don't do what you want. It's disciplinary action after that, you know. Say, so tell them what you want. They don't do it. Say, give them one more. All right, here's your warning. You're going to do what I tell you to do. I'm going to tell Master Chief, and he can deal with you. And they, oh, no, don't. And they, she, I, they, I've had parents call me, oh, my God, Jermaine, he is crying, <laughs> bawling right now. Can you talk to him and tell him, like, you're not going to kill him or anything? Because I don't even tell him what I'm going to do to him. Yeah. And I just say, you understand. Let their imagination just, just happen. Just the imagination, yeah. <laughs> so they thinking the worst thing. They might have watched a karate movie last night and seen the, you know, yeah. master in there beating him with a stick. So, And then I get them on the phone and say, you know, hey, what are you doing? You know, what? Well, uh, she's going to say, well, wait a minute. She don't control the pink slip. You do. What are you doing to get the pink slip? Well, she told me, okay, well, just do what you're supposed to do. You want to get the pink slip. Yeah. Oh. oh yeah. Yes, sir. Yes. And then they go do it. You know, and I have to yell at them or threaten them. It's, I'm teaching you common sense. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you now know? they have to own their, their decisions. Accountability. Yeah, man. You know, and the consequences well, are real. Well, I can control this. Yeah. Yes, you can. Do what your parents say, and that pink slips means nothing hanging on your refrigerator. Yeah. So that's, that's the way. Yeah, but you got to put yourself at home. You know, if you're going to be uh, a, any kind of mentor towards kids, you have to put yourself at home. Sometimes I pop in at their schools, you know, where they just see me. I might just walk through the hall, and they, that's it. They good for the rest of the year. Because they don't know if I'm gonna be up there, or might, if I was there talking to their teacher. <laughs> yeah, they don't know when I'm gonna pop in. Yeah, let their imagination take it. You know. Yeah, man. Yeah, you've really, um, definitely, really like dove into like just the real like youth mentorship. Have you thought about maybe like starting some sort of like like non for profit organization with that? Or We're anything? working on it. I've had non for profits, and I'm gonna tell you, 
and this is why I always say this, the most important thing, you have to be true to yourself. Yeah. My adaptability is my strength and it's my weakness. And all our strengths, you know how that go. You know that from fighting. Oh, yeah. yeah everything can be sword. a strength and then with double-edged sword, yeah. you know. But if you don't realize those strengths are weak, and once you realize the weakness of that strength, then it becomes nothing but strength. But um, the problem with me, I opened up, I think I've had several, you know, non-for-profits. But I had too many people involved yeah. dragging me in their directions, yeah. you know, doing what they thought I should do. And I finally got to the point. I said, boom, this is it. And I said, I'm having Rebecca own it, open it for me. Uh-huh. And I said, it's going to be about combat energy. I said, what I know about is combat energy. I said, I was mislabeled, uh, mis-abused as a kid because everybody thought I was this bad kid. You know, but I, first of all, I was traumatized, man, by what happened, almost happened to my brother. And it got worse after that with fights. That's where the weapons started getting involved because I started looking for it. I knew when this racist dude, and they drive down the street, and, yeah, you enters, get out of here. I would chase their trucks. <laughs> i hop fences to catch them. <laughs> catch up to, what you say, mother? And they'd be like, what the? You know, and i just start swinging, dropping. I was going to kill them because I was ready to die that day because you ain't going to catch my brother when I'm not there. You're not going to catch my little sisters when I'm not there because I know you just did that to me. When she walking to school tomorrow morning and I'm going the other way, you're going to do that to her. Except you're going to say, oh, that's a little girl. So I said, he got to die today. I got to be, so I tried to kill him. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it only got worse. I was traumatized. But I was respectable. I was nice. I stood up for bullies. But when I stood up for bullies, I mean, not for bullies, I stood up for kids who were getting bullied, yeah. I beat the bully down. You couldn't stop me because I was ready to die at that day because of what I had been through. So all of the, the parents, were, you know, the teachers were afraid of me. I'd be the kid. I'd just be in class talking. Oh yeah, and they call my parents, you know. And it's just so it was. It was they mislabeled me as a bad kid. Um, I was a in, in high school. I was a, a, a track star. I was a I, my first year. I taught myself how to run high hurdles. That's how I got high. They had them set up, and I seen them, and I went and ran. And the coach said, "What the? Where'd you learn how to run high hurdles at?" I said, "Those high hurdles." He said, "Yeah." I said, "I just did it myself. I just figured what looked right. I watched it on TV." You're running track. <laughs> but I didn't have good grades, so I would always get kicked off the team when I was getting ready to be the star, which that's why I'm totally against that. It's like this. If if you're not going to kick, kick the computer math wizard out of school or kick, not let him do computer and math stuff because he's bad at sports, yeah, then don't kick us off sports team. I could have been a football star and got rich. I'll pay accountant to that on my money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's people who are rich who made it through high school and college who still screw their money up. But don't destroy my talent and, and, and pull me away and make me feel like crap because when I ran track, played football – I wasn't on the streets fighting. Yeah. When they kicked me off the team, you know, and the coach is looking at me like, I, I was averaging seven sacks a game. Seven because I was quick and small, and I'd get, pow, tearing that quarterback up. I'd have been the Mizzou star. You know what I'm saying? But, they, oh, your grades are too low. You can't play. Okay, well, and that was it. Wasn't no tutors giving to me anything like that. Just, your grades too low. You know, yeah. get off. And so what, how did that make me feel as a kid? Man, so yeah. I'm sitting at the crib like this, yeah. and then here come the boy. What you doing? Nothing, man. What, you ain't playing football? No, nah, man, they kicked me up. Man, F them. They See, they don't like you. Yeah, yeah. you're right. So what? I got no choice. I got to go be available. accepted where I'm accepted. Yeah, because at that age, we're all looking for acceptance. Big time. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, we're it's 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 been shown that kids are mostly influenced by their peers, not so much their parents. Yep. You know what I mean? As, as No parent wants to hear that. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and we do teach them, and, and more so by leading. It's all about leading by example, right? You're like, kids watch what you do. You know what I mean? Like, you can say whatever you want to say, but they see what you really yeah, do. Yeah, they pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. But, um, yeah, you know, the the system is just set up for – it's like it's to create workers. You know what I mean? And it's like – you kind of see some schools getting away from it. Um, like my old high school, I think they're kind of going to an academy system maybe to kind of help gear 
kids more towards their interest and but either way we're like we're putting kids in a situation like essentially in a fishbowl and we're we're telling them to compare themselves to each other and certain kids that don't learn the way that's being taught in that fishbowl don't if they don't succeed they're right. just they're labeled as losers it's, and they won't they can't do anything but it's just like we need to fix that system because not all kids learn the same and at the end of the day not everybody's going to be like a business professional some some people are going to be in tech school some, some people, people be navy seals so yeah you know, <laughs> you know what i mean saying? and some people may just want to do sports right now and like just maybe we can teach them some basic life skills and you right. know how to do something like some money management it probably would have been very beneficial if you learned maybe how to like balance a checkbook you know what i didn't mean learn any didn't learn none about you know taxes I mean? how to buy a house none of that just, too high school. just basic stuff you know right. what i mean like that that whole system really does need to be changed Big you know time. what i mean because we're all different well, and that's why I say if, if you're going to be a, a teacher, I say as a martial arts teacher, I, I, I tell you, I can teach anybody. You know, I have a program where we would train the Shriners kids. I had a girl in a wheelchair. I had a, a girl who couldn't even move her arms above her waist. Yeah. You're taekwondo. You know what I'm saying? I had a kid with one leg. You're boxing. The girl in the wheelchair. You're palm strikes and hammer, you know, and they would train. They would tear it up. Yeah. You know, but I said this. If I'm a martial arts teacher and I can't teach a, a 90-year-old woman, has something to defend herself. You know, can you stand? Yeah, I can stand. Do you use a cane? Yeah, I do. Okay, this is called a sword cane. You know what I'm saying? Right. This is called a pistol cane. <laughs> now, you need this much distance, so, you know, make sure you're here. This, now, we got to teach you footwork. So, if that gun goes off, you don't fall around. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. as, a, as a teacher, you have to find out how to teach that person. And that's yes. what it is. Like you're saying in exact, you put all these kids in this fishbowl, and this teacher gets up there and blah, blah, and just pukes information, which I'm 100% for teachers. But then you got this kid who's a genius, that doesn't get it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A genius, but they don't get your way. You ain't getting to them. And so they put that kid down. They label him as dumb. They say he's stupid. And this and that. And, they, and then that kid's confidence is gone. Once his confidence is gone, he's open for who's going to accept him. What's that? The crime world. The crime yeah. world accepting everybody. And that's what I said then. But now the crime world got this genius. Like that's what almost happened to me. I'm here. And when I went to prison, do you think the mafia and everybody didn't come to me? Jermaine, even when I was out, I was standing up at a nightclub working. You know, sitting there dying, breathing cigarette smoke, hating my life, yeah. you know, three months behind on rent. And some guys that connected to my guys and walked in. Some Italians, oh, my God, it's Jermaine. You know, Pope, get out of there. You're killing me. What are you doing up there? Come over here. You know, man, look, we'll offer you this much money a week to, to be our knock-around guy, the guy that takes care of things. So if I'd have been out, if I'd have went out there and took that route, think of the damage I could have done yeah. with what I know yeah. and the way I know how to think. You know what I'm saying? But there's some things that happened to me in prison, too, as a, a warden who was a genius in, hum in being a human being. And just his words to me showed me that that existed and brought me back to who my true self was. Because what I did, I had to create an alter ego my whole life to defend little Jermaine, you know what I'm saying, who was getting mislabeled and everything else. So I brought up something, all right, y'all want it? I got it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he allowed me, because of the way he treated us all in there, to pull back from that and for the real me to come out and start to nourish and yeah. that, that side of me to become powerful. But it was because of the way that teacher was. And what he did was when I first went to prison, I was in there, what you call a fish tank. They shaved your head and everything. Mm. And I'm sitting in there. I'm like, yeah, who first? Yeah, yeah, who first? Somebody dying in this mug in my name. I'm going to wipe their blood all over me. It's over. A Native American style. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm ready to get You're ready. Because ain't nobody going to get me. Remember, that's what I learned that at age 10. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now I'm in here. I ain't locked up with y'all. Y'all locked up with me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm ready to go. So I'm sitting there. And they, they come in and get me. You sit there for 30 days. And they're like, oh, Warden wants to talk to you. I'm like, okay. If he want to be the man, he'll be the man. You know, and I'm still, I was, I was never a guy who's going to hurt somebody unless they try to hurt me. But you come at me, we're going to finish the game. You don't get to mess with me and then walk away. 
And so what he walked me in, took the cuffs off me. I'm like, oh, they set me up. You know what I'm saying? They think they're going to come in here and say, oh, he broke out. I said, it's, I got to really be ready to go. So I'm sitting there, you know, ready. And I'm standing there like this. And the warden, the warden sits at the desk, little bitty white dude. Oh, man, he's writing stuff. He said, Jermaine? I said, yeah, warden. He said, come on over. He said, have a seat. I'm like, oh, they want to catch me while I'm sitting down. So they grab You know, I'm thinking all kinds of stuff, you know. And I'm like, yes, sir. You know, we start talking. He said, just call me Dwayne. You know, I'm like, okay, Dwayne. He said, I just want to get something clear with you. I was like, oh, here it come. You know, you ain't shit. I ain't afraid of you. You're just a piece of crap convict. Da, 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 da. And I was like, man, F you, man. Your, your mama, you know, I was ready. You know, if we're going to fire it off, I'm going to be the one who's controlled. I've always controlled my life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's going to be my fault. You yeah. Know? And he said, I'm just going to tell you this. You're no different than I am. You're no better person. You're no lesser person. I've done things that I probably should be in here for, but I had my connections and my people that kept me out where I could become the warden here. I want you to come out here and be a better person for society. I want you to be a better person here. Now, I'm looking at you. You build amazing. How did you stay in shape like that in county jail? So I'm like, oh, well, he just threw me for a loop. Yes. Well, I, I, I push up to sit up. And I was locked up with an Army Ranger. He showed me some things. Man, you're amazing. We yeah. got to get you out of here. I want you out of here. But before I get you out of here, you're going to come out of here smarter. So here's your options. You can go to solitary confinement or you can go to work in the kitchen where you can eat what you want. And I'll pay for your college while you're in here. I said, what? Co college? All they ever told me is, well, you ain't going to make it through college. You know, yeah. you're, you you ain't going to, you know, and I was, I was one of the smartest people out there, but they didn't know how to teach me. He like treated you as a human. He treated me as a human being. He With said, potential. made me feel like I had value. Yeah. When he did that, I went and that's, I blew up in there, you know, and it's, it's another story in there where I went to solitary confinement for a year. Yeah. But I, it was defending him from, defending him against the governor. Oh, uh, yeah. Because they wanted to come in. This dude, this prison was a rehabilitation and it worked. He had no recidivism rate. People who were murderers would get out in five years, come back for bad check writing. People who were in there for murder would become counselors in there. This place, he would open the gates to this prison. We had boxing smokers, basketball tournaments. We played the town. He'd open the prison gates. Everybody in town come in, sit with us right there in maximum security even. Sit with you. You know what I'm saying? Nobody would do anything wrong. Play games. Nobody would try to escape or anything. He had the idea. He was incredible. This man was He's a genius, a pure genius. And then the governor, his run for, for office was that he wanted to say, they're getting treated too good. You know, they need to be punished more. So mm. they came in and started messing with us. And uh, they, they pulled out all the guards who were our friends. Like, we'd be sitting in our cell <laughs> watching TV. We had TV in there, Lazy Boy Recline. Whatever you want in there, you can fit in there, you can have. And guards sitting right there watching with you. You know what I'm saying? You go to eat. We eating t dinner with the warden. Yeah. Oh, Dwayne, what's up, baby? You hugging me. Oh, great food. But you were, we were human beings in there. There were no fights. And the most important thing that you got was you got a trailer visit with your woman once a month. Sex, whatever you want. But this is how it worked. You owe me money. Man, come on, man. What that money you owe me? Oh, man, I ain't got it, Jermaine. Man, look, you owe me that. They say, oh, whoa. You guys want to fight? You want to roll around with each other? You want to roll around with your women this weekend? Said, you know what? Give me that money when you can, brother. I holler. <laughs> you know? yeah. I want to see my woman. And yeah. you want to see. So there was no war because you had a woman in there. When they take a woman from men, take, take a female from a bunch of male animals and put them in a cage together. See what's going to happen. Yeah, there's definitely a so time they, where they're, they're cracking down like on the entire penal system, right? Yeah. Like, that was a big thing when they took away conjugal visits. Yep, took conjugal away the, yep, the visits. conjugal visits, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's making you inhuman. Yeah. But they want you to stay there. You know why? Because they can profit off of it now. Yeah, once you're in that system, man, you're it's it's a life sentence for a yeah. lot of people. Like whether you're in you know behind bars or not, you know the parole system is crazy. I mean, just it's well it's, getting hired. Yeah, you know, getting a like job. That. But if you admit to the truth, and that's one thing when I came out on parole, um, and people were acting weird with me. Yeah, I always said this: if I was you, I wouldn't hire me either. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I said I just can't. And I just so I, I didn't get mad at people. Then they see that. 
They called me back. Hey, I, I really liked your attitude. Hey, no sweat, man. You know, well, I'm just letting you know if anything comes up, look, something come up, miss, you got every right to search me, pat me down. I understand. Yeah. You know, I'm an ex-con. I was an armed robber. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I had a gun to you. I, that's what you're thinking. Yeah. I understand. So until you get to know me, you'll know, oh, this dude just did something stupid when he was a kid. Yeah. You know, that's, and that's why I try to teach him a lot of comedy when you're coming out. I say, dude, I mean, I met a dude, he's coming out. He said, well, yeah, nobody they won't hire me. I said, wait a minute. Look at you. You Mexican mafia. Your face is a tattoo. He had never been told that. And he looked at me. I said, would you hire you? He said, damn. I never thought of that. I said, you got to give people a break, man. You are it. You a badass. Yeah. You the toughest muff. You, you did it. Yeah. That's what you wanted to be. You are it. You know, you can see his chest coming up. I said, but you got to remember that they know that too. So when you approach them, you got to give them a chance, give them time, and know that they're looking at a tattooed face of some Mexican mafia cartel cat. Yeah, appearances said, do matter. Oh, man, he said, yeah, I didn't think about that. I said, but if you know what you are and wear it as a badge instead of shame, when they come at you about that, it won't hurt you. And they're going to see that confidence. They're going to say, well, maybe there is something good about it. You make them curious. Sometimes you just make a human being curious. What does he know that I don't know? You know what I'm saying? If I was like him, I'd have stormed out of here, pissed off and everything. He ain't even mad at me. Hey, come back here. You know, so I want you to work, and they want you to work there just to figure out what inner peace you got that they don't got. Yeah. Because he over tripping out, going crazy, yelling at people, kicking, beating his wife, everything else. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. You know, I try to get people to understand that. That's where that accountability comes in. But it goes all the way back to teaching. You know, and that's why as a martial arts instructor, I always tell people this: people ask what you do. I say, what do I do? I teach people to master themselves. You know, I don't teach people just to beat people up. The whole idea is I want to get you so tough. It's just like you. You walk in here, you know how to fight. You walk in here, you ain't scared of nothing. Yeah. You're not afraid of anything. You're not afraid of the dark corner. If somebody jump up, you're going to say, okay, we doing this or not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ain't going to be no fear there. But because you know you can handle yourself, you're one of the nicest guys in the world. Because you never feel threatened or intimidated by others. What yeah. happens now, people who can't, they can't handle themselves. They create this illusion that they can. I know crazy. Yeah, peacock. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when they meet somebody, they automatically feel is he trying to take me down? Is he trying to beat me? Is he trying to be better than me? Is yeah. he, So all that garbage is there. You can't even communicate honestly with each other. Right. You know, so that's why I say I'm going to teach you how to fight so you'll never really have to. Even if somebody pull a gun on you, you're like, hey, it's, hey, it's money. I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, you give me your address, I'll send you a check. You must really need it, brother. And he, Damn, but he ain't going to want to shoot somebody talking to him like that. So now you lower that threat. Yeah. And then he may be somebody. Like I was. Energy is important. If you're able to, to, you know, control your energy and stay calm, especially in a chaotic situation. And the way to do that is to expose yourself to chaos. You know, yep. that's, the, that's, <laughs> and the, that's what we do in the fight game. Yeah. That's why I say it's practice. It's, like it's a little life. chaos. Yep. Control chaos. It's yeah. a little life inside there because you go through every emotion you're going to experience in life that might take years. You're going to experience it in one round, <laughs> you know, when you absolutely. beat your match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, well, Jermaine, I'd love to keep talking to you. I think I we, told you. No, dude. We, you're, it's a great conversation. We, I think we're, we're running out of time on this room, and uh, we've been – I guess we're right over an hour here, so. Okay, well, we, uh, I think we're good on the room. Are we? If you, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So we have if, if anybody got it, they'll come up, and they'll just – this this place, Medici, where we're at, is a, is a good place. Everybody get along. If somebody got it, you know, because Rebecca would have seen it, she would let me know and say, hey, you got to this time. Yeah. You know, but if somebody in here, they'll walk up, and they'll look in, and I'll – do that and uh, yeah they will just close all right out, cool so. cool cool. well i have another question then okay. um so that was you know that that interaction with that warden was kind of like the 
like the the start like you know that that sparked kind of this this new beginning for you right where you, you saw potential in yourself and you realize there's a different way from the sounds yep. of it like over the years like what have been some of the uh like what have been some of the resources that you've turned to like books that you've read like some of the favorite books that you've read or movies or videos or just you know some of the things that have like influenced you or you've like you've learned from you know that you'd recommend for others to check out uh definitely the book Kodo. okay what's that by, uh I think it's Kenshu for real. I can't, you know, the name Kenshu for real, but it's okay. called Kodo. Kodo. It means ancient ways. Is that K-O-D-O? K-O-D-O. Okay. That teaches people how to treat their instructor. Their train. Because now, now, that's why I don't really like the name coach. There's a difference between a coach and a, a sensei or a crew or a sifu. We're going to torture you way worse, but that's because it's our job. I always tell everybody, it's my job to stress you in a controlled environment where you don't know what to do, and I teach you what to do when you feel like that. So that when this dude in the dark alley jump out and it's real, you can go right back to that mindset and do the right thing. Yeah. Now, we got to do that a thousand times in here <laughs> so you can do it right that once. Right. Your life depends on it. You know what I'm saying? So that book teaches you how to look at a sensei because, you know, a sensei and instructor is different. You know, we're not the same as everybody else out there because a lot of us, you know, it's different. Okay, if a coach, I'm a coach of a football team, basketball team, I'm your coach. One, while you're at that grade, because I'm the freshman school coach, I'm going to go see you for a year. Or, excuse me, while you're in college, because, you know, until you get out of college or until you get traded on a pro team. So we ain't family. Now, as a martial arts instructor, I'm a part of that person's life, I think, forever. And I got a girl who started me when she's five. You know, she's 14 now. She can call me anytime. We still, and she don't even train as a night. She stopped training two years ago. I'm still a part of her life. She still calls me for advice. I got a girl who's with me when she was 14. She's going to the Secret Service now. You know, she calls me about things she's dealing with with that kind of stuff. I'm still there for it. So I think it's more of a mentorship position, but we're assholes. You know what I'm saying? Huge. But we have to be. We, we can't be your cheerleader. That's not what we're there for. Because every time you do something right, it's my job to bring you back down. Kill that ego and tell the job ain't over. You know, and let you not, ah, I got it, I did it, I'm, I made it. Because you get that attitude that's still a quitting attitude. So you're going to get a little celebration for a little while, take a picture, then throw that crap under the bed. We don't care no more. Let's go. And I'm going to make it harder on you and harder on you. So you always. Yeah, you can't live in celebration. Um, That's you know, I like that. Um, you can't live in celebration. You really can't, dude. <laughs> um, you know, it's like uh, I like this, like the 24-hour rule. You have 24 hours to celebrate a win, and then it's back to the yep. grindstone, man. Like you can't live in that because people do that all the time. They're always living in the past, and then you're never getting better then. Yeah, I always say the rhyme, and I, I fought. You know, uh, if you watch, watch my fight, get a chance to watch them through, you never see me celebrate. And I, I was never a fighter. I was a martial artist, and that was just my path yeah. that I had to take. Because I said, I want to make sure what works. If I'm going to teach you, this is going to work on that crazy killer industry trying to take your life. I got to make sure it's going to work here. And then I can teach it to everybody. But um, right after I would fight, you know, I would celebrate for two reasons. One, uh, I had too much respect for my opponent. I never wanted – I looked at it like this, the – the, the highest people in this room were me and him, you know, because we had trained, sacrificed our life to come here and meet and willing to take chances to damage each other to see how great the martial arts can work for either through through our body, all right? So we're the, the highest here, you know, not the promoter, which yeah. a lot of them trying to think they are, not the fans. They're coming to drink beer and watch. So I felt we controlling them. They're, they're, I'm setting an example for you. So when I beat my fellow warrior who, if right now the world, if the world – Went to war, civil war. Who you think I'm calling? I'm calling everybody I fought. Hey, man, what we going to do? 
Jermaine, let's get together. That's who I know I can count on. Yeah. I'm not going to call the people who are sitting back drinking beer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're good. She's just waving. You know what I'm saying? Because most of them, they ain't going to do nothing anyway as soon as the shot get fired or their cell phone get turned off or they close McDonald's. You know what yeah. Wait a minute. I didn't know I couldn't get no McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I always felt I was leading. And so whenever I beat my brother, I was never shame him, you know, by celebrating all wild and crazy, which was a mistake in my career for entertainment-wise. And I got told that, Jermaine, you got to – I said, yeah, I know. It's like I, a part of the show. You know, yeah, you know, and I'm, I know by not giving the show. This still is an entertainment. It's a show. I said, I'm just that's, – that's my samurai side comes out. And when I win, I just – I can't do it. Yeah. So and then I walked straight to my corner and Ron Smith be there. And I said, what did I do wrong? Even after I won. And he said, man, you, you was dropping your jab. Or, you know what, blah, blah, blah. You know, what, you know why he got the takedown on you, don't you? Because you did you was leaning too much. And we would, that's what all we talked to. We would put, watch the fight and find what I did wrong. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and that's where it was. I tell you, that's how Warriors always think is the old saying: tighten your hel- helmet. There's more, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you kill. Ah, you got him. <laughs> Turn around. There's another one. Oh man, yeah. Because as soon as you end. drop this dude, guess what? The next tougher fight, looking at you like, oh, you think you something? Yeah. And he looking at you like this. And he going to prepare. There's always another challenge. Yeah. While you going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and getting drunk and doing everything, you know. So. Have you read the book of Five Rings? Yes. Yeah, that's a great book. Yeah, that's real good. Another one too. You asked me uh, the Marshall Way. The Marshall Way. And that's actually written by a, uh, I think he was a captain in the Air Force. Okay. But I like that one better than Kodo. Okay. I'm not saying it's a better book, but he was American, mm-hmm. and he trained in martial arts all over. And he was a traditional martial arts, and that's why I say you can never diss traditional. Even if they were just point fighters and stuff, they still learn a lot. Yeah. And they, they're more connected to the history from the real samurais than, than the, the sport fighters. You know, just like you watch the UFC right now, how many fighters are really connected to a true traditional background? A lot of us go in, you know, uh, get strong, bust pads, and learn how to hit hard and learn how to be nonstop and learn some techniques. Or they really sitting back and learn the history of why that technique existed, you know, yeah. why, why Capoeira is fought the way it's fought. Because yeah. the slaves had their feet chained. You know, why do Taekwondo guys jump? Oh, really? I didn't because, know that. Yeah, that's why, because it, it was illegal for martial arts. Uh, I can't remember, and I don't know the, off the top of my head, yeah, but, but it was illegal for them to do martial arts, so they pretend like they were dancing, hey, but they were chained. Yeah, so that's why they don't so move why, so wide. Yeah, that that the kicks, yeah, <laughs> and everything. Where your feet will allow you to go when yeah. they're chained. And then taekwondo, why so many jump kicks? Because they used to kick people off horses that rode in on horse to attack them. Yeah, well, so samurai, they like a lot of samurai yeah. on horseback. You know, so they have to run, bow and arrow, and throw that. each other, and so if you know the reason why, yeah, then you understand how to use that technique. It definitely helps to understand the why. That's yep. something that I really learned once I started um, teaching. I never saw myself like moving into like a teaching position within jujitsu, but I've been I've been you know teaching kids jujitsu now for a little over two years. And um, before I would do things, and I didn't really understand why I was doing it, or I would do it without even right. knowing I was doing it. I just was a natural athlete, and I yep. just I just did it. But now like I'm explaining it to a child, and I have to I really have to understand it because yep, I have everything. to explain it so simply <laughs> to them. And um, it's definitely made me a better martial artist. Like my whole jujitsu game has just grown exponentially. Well, because even like explaining a jab, you know, most people just, all right, this is your jab and that's your cross. And they try to throw them the same. Yeah. Throw them the same. Same speed. I said, no, a jab is a quick punch. That's what's supposed to catch them off guard to set up the hard stuff. So if you get them with the jab and stun them, then you bring those. But the hard stuff is slower because it's bringing more power. Then it, oh, and they used to boom, pow, you know, boom, pow. Then it changes up on them. But once they know why, Find your time, you know, then, yeah, you can figure out and you do it correctly. Yeah. But yeah, you got, you got to have that why in everything, you know, or else 
what are you doing? <laughs> you just out there doing stuff. Yeah. Now, so you also wrote a book, right? I know, I know you mentioned it. Twelve of them. Um, you wrote 12 books? Yep. Holy shit. Yeah, 12 of them. Oh, my goodness. I'd, I'd ask you for all the names, but I doubt you remember all the uh, names of them. Let me see. I remember the name was yeah. Muay Tiger, my autobiography, and that's okay. actually two books. Uh, the Fighter's Bible. Okay. Which, check this out. This is very interesting about the Fighter's Bible. I sat down. I said, I'm going to write a book for fighters off my fight career, the best information I can give. And this was... It might have been. I'm not sure. It might have been five. Yeah. When you, when you go to prison, you lose. You don't. You can't do dates. I mean, it's, it's time done. is just such a. Yeah, it's just yeah. It's movement through space. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it doesn't. But I said I'm give her the best information I can to fighters to help with their career off of what I went through. And it's got it's called the Fighters Bible. It's got ten commandments, <laughs> you know, and it tells you what to do. I wrote the whole book, gave it to Ron Smith, let him read it. Ron Smith said, Jermaine, did you know? There's not one thing about fighting in this book. I said, no. He said, what were you thinking when you wrote this? I said, I wanted to give them the best stuff to help with their career. He said, you did. Everybody thinks it's about entering. He said, everything you wrote is about preparing for the fight, what you're eating, your relationships with your woman. You know, you can't have no button. Fighters can't have button pushes for women. Your entourage, how they can ruin you with the promotion because you come in, you're the greatest guy in the world, but you got this jerk in your crowd who, yeah, fuck it. And he yeah. do something stupid and they say, well, he's always with, you know, Jermaine. So we can't have Jermaine. Jermaine's great, but his, and I had a girl like that. She was just horrible. And they, you know, I had to get rid of her. They finally told me, said, yeah, we, we, Jermaine, we weren't going to put you on TV because you're a girl. I said, she's gone. Don't even sweat it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but just all matters. those little things, what you eat, uh, making sure that, you know, when you, if you're going on a plane, don't put your fight gear under the thing because you're going to Japan, your luggage get lost. You got to fight in two days. You ain't going to see that luggage. Now what? You don't yeah. have your fight gear. Mouthpiece, fight gear, all that stuff goes on a plane with you. You know, plus ramen noodles, you know, food, you know, uh, energy bars, Gatorade, all goes on a plane with you. Because if they lose your stuff and you go to Japan, what if they don't change your money for you? Yeah, you can't spend that money in Japan. Or you can't eat the food. You can't eat. That's what happened to me. Yeah. I went over there and I couldn't eat. Everything had pork in it. You know, everything. And then they had McDonald's. So I ended up two days, one day before my fight, eating a fish sandwich and French fries uh, you don't to eat get pork? ready for my fight. No pork for you? <laughs> yeah, no pork. Well, no meat. I was no, vegetarian. Oh, okay. Yep. So I had to eat. So I even broke my rules eating that fish. Oh, you know wow. what I'm saying? So so I wrote everything of my personal experiences of weighing in. This is how you do your weigh-in. Don't eat soup the night before. Don't, you know, and I, and I put all that in for good information. And, and that was it. And I, that was complete. Yeah. And he said, man, that's a really, you know, nothing's like that been written. I didn't write anything about it. When you hear somebody break their nose, you know, when you kick them, yeah. kick them as hard as you can, you know. And I said, wow, that's. That was the most important thing that helped me with my fight career was those things. Yeah. You know, because one of the most important things is if you prepared correctly, because I had a modeling company, I'd always tell the models, you can be the most gorgeous girl in the world. And you walk up here to my thing, and your paperwork ain't ready, you ain't sold no tickets to the to the fashion show, and you don't have this ready, and I don't have your, you don't have your, uh, you know, your portfolio, I'm going to take that one that don't look half as good as you because she's prepared. Yeah. She's ready. I know I can count on her to be there yeah. and have what she's ready. So a lot of that people don't understand. That's what deals with fighters. You see these fighters who shouldn't be getting that fight. That's because he got his business together. <laughs> yeah, be professional. Yep. Yeah, one hundred percent. So where can people buy these books at? Or is it on Amazon? Amazon? Okay, yep. cool. Amazon. Oh, so it's is that, it better to go, can you, do you also sell on like your website? Is it better to go? Yeah, you go to my to website, website, but it'll take you to Amazon. Oh, does it take yep. you to Amazon? It'll okay. take you to Amazon. But the Fighters Bible, um, Bouncers Bible. I wrote one for Bouncers. For venue security, uh, dealing effectively with idiots. That's a funny one. <laughs> I name all these the idiots and stuff, and tell you how to deal with them. Yeah, you know. And I'm trying to think of oh, ice, ice. intercom and explode. That's that's my baby there. Intercom and what? Intercom and explosiveness. Okay. And that's a book I wrote, and it's for athletes. 
you know, and I go through the whole thing of why the why. Why are you doing this? How far are you willing to go? You know, can you do this? Uh-huh. You know, I said, I, I mean, I didn't take up take basketball because I'm probably too short for it. You know, if you ain't built for it and you can't do it, I don't care how much you like it. Don't jump into the career and get mad at everybody else because you can't make just stuff like that. Yeah. How to accept losses, all that kind of. So it's it's a really good laid out book. It's more of a mental toughness book. Yeah, mental toughness is so important. I mean, the mind does lead the body. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the thing is, a lot of people don't know what mental toughness is. They may think because you'll even say they think mental toughness is yelling at somebody, but it's actually the psychology, which it stands for. Mental toughness means sports psychology. So it's teaching people psychology, like, um, okay, what's going on? Why why'd you miss that kick? You know, I don't know. You know, they go to kick the soccer player. They kick the ball. And they miss. The coach, just, you keep missing that kick. Quit missing that damn kick. You just made it worse. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For that kid, you know. Because they ain't, they ain't fighters. Now, fighters is different with us because we can make you get up and fight and, and have to work through it. But even the same thing even in the fight game. You break somebody's confidence, they can never learn. So you got to be careful how you even say things to them. So what I do is they tend to kid at me, well, I keep missing this this shot. You know, and the coach is doing So I quit soccer. Okay, well, wait a minute. Well, why are you missing the shot? Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's okay that you're missing shots. You know, I've been knocked out before. You have? Yeah. And it was okay. That was the best lesson of my life. So you can make mistakes. You got to learn from that. That's how we learn. I said, so what's going on? Well, I'm just afraid I'm hurt my foot. I said, why would you hurt your foot? Well, it's been broken in three places. Say, <laughs> that's the reason. Yeah. She don't need to be yelled at because she's missing. You're making her feel worse. Her foot hurt. And she's scared she's going to break it again like she did in soccer before. That's a hell of a break. So, yeah. So I said, okay, well, listen to me. You know, this is what we're going to do. I want you to get a soccer ball and take it home in the garage and just tap it, tap it. Every day, all day, just tap it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it, you know. Yeah. And then who's the trainer that can wrap your ankle? You know, who wraps you, you know? Well, the only one I trust is this one. I said, does he wrap it all the time? No, he doesn't really have time. I said, okay, I want you to create a better relationship with him. So I said, hi, every time you see him, let him know and give me his phone number. I'm going to call and talk to him. You know what I'm saying? So. We do that now. She's getting her ankle wrapped. Yeah. She ain't scared to kick. She's been kicking the wall. And I say, now we're going to go, and you're going to go, you know, one foot from the goal, two foot from the goal, three foot from the goal. And now she's back, bow, kicking the crap out of that ball. I say, but we also go learn how to do it with your left foot. But the main thing to teach them is that your fear was sensible. Yeah. You got sensible fear, you got uh, taught fear, and you got imaginative fear. Taught fear is what your parents say, oh, don't you ever kick a soccer ball, you'll break your foot. Yeah. Well, you believe that. Right? Yeah. You ain't never even broke your foot. You know, so that's tall fear. Yeah. You know, imaginative fear. You're watching this movie and somebody kicked the ball and they foot twist around and, and they get crippled and they end up dying and their life is over. You're saying, what if that happens to me when I kick the ball? <laughs> you yeah. Know? So identify them with the person. This is like what it is. Source. Which one is it? Then you work from there to pull them away from it. But the main thing is making them feel it's okay. And when you make somebody feel okay, like that warden made me feel, Jermaine, you're not a criminal. You committed a crime. All right, you know what he said. You know what most criminals are at. I said in here. He said, he said out there free. Yeah, running businesses, running companies, every moms oh, and dads. Yeah. You know, running churches, everything. We're all human. He said they're no better than you. They're just smarter than you. <laughs> you know, they didn't get busted. Or you know, he had no jokes. Case <laughs> like you said, like, said, like me. You know, I got away with all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But that's why I can relate. But I'm being honest about who I was, so I can be honest with you to show you who you are which is going to be better for these clowns in the community who want to lie to you. Yeah. And that's what it is. He saved the community. If I came out the way I went in with the connections I had. Yeah. Man. Oftentimes that's the case for a lot of people. They come out better criminals. Yep. Better yeah. or worse criminals. One or two. Yeah. However you want to look at it. You know what I mean? And then yeah. just because, like you said, the system's set up where they can't go legit if they wanted to. Yep. You know, they try. 
Wow, and, and a lot of times, and that's why I went into kids, all you got to do is identify with them. I had a kid, and he's eight or nine, I think. And I get this with tons of them. And they all you know, have what they call in the, what, PTSD or whatever. No, not PTSD. I'm sorry. Um, ADHD. Okay. All right, that's a new thing. They doping the kids up. Doping them up. Don't even sit and talk to them. Put them on drugs. All right, now. Yeah. There are some kids who may need it. I'm always, I'm non-judgmental. I'm, I want to get in there and I got to meet this person. Maybe your kid does need it. Maybe yeah. he's he going to hurt himself. So you got to calm him down. You don't know how to do it. You know, but I've had a, a kid and the parents told the kid he had it. And he always would go off and be depressed. And so he brought him in and I said, hey, you got ADHD, ADD, you know, as I call it. You know, because I ain't into studying too much. He's, he put his head down. I said, it's not a bad thing. I got it too. That's what made me a star. I said, you know, I work on three computers at a time. But what I did, because I was like, that's why I couldn't sit still in school, because I had a certain genius that they couldn't touch. So they're sitting there saying, blah, 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 and, and I got this going on and that going on. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't focus, but I ended up learning to believe in myself while I was locked up, and I had people believing in me, the warden and the guards. Man, you're incredible. Yeah. And so I started learning that I can write this book and this book the same you know, then I released and gave the books to the prisoners to read. And they, when did you write this one? I just wrote them. You wrote two books at the same time? That's genius. What? That's what? I always heard I was a stupid ass. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I started understanding it. Then I, the ADD stuff came out, and I actually got the book where you study it to see if you are. And it had like a red page in it. And I'm reading the first page, and I went straight to the red page and said, if you went straight to this page, you have ADD. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, mother, yeah, who funny. wouldn't go straight to this page? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm like, and, loaded. It, and then it had a couple, yeah, it was loaded like that. Yeah. You know? but, so I'm reading through, but then I'm like, okay, but the way I am, I like being able to, I think it's aware. I'm paying attention. You know, we talking, listen, I'm paying attention to what's going there, here, and there. I got, like, as long as I believe it's okay, and I learn how to control it. It's yeah, like to... being an X-Men character. Every kid is, you know. He's got this, he opened his eyes, he kill everybody. Until they taught him to put these glasses on, doop, and just hit him with a little bit of rain. Now I'm superior. So that's the kind of philosophy I believe with these kids. You know, it's not that they're bad kids or anything's wrong with them. They just don't have the right leader because our society doesn't have a leader for warriors. And they're warriors. You know, and the way I determine a kid's got combat, and people say, well, how do you determine it? I say, well, they might be in trouble a lot. There are daredevils. They're fearless. But the main thing is they're always going to choose fight over flight. You know, and you got kids like that. A parent brought his kid in, and like, and his kid just bouncing off the wall. I said, you having fun, man? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the parent's like, oh, would you stop? I said, I got it. I was like, man, when you get done burning that combat energy up, come over and sit down so we can get you better. And he came and sat down, you know. So we're sitting there, and uh, he's talking about the ADD or whatever that. And when I told him that, you know, you seen him like, oh. And I said, but I got to teach you how to do it. It's not ADD. It's called combat energy. Now what you got to do is you just got to calm down. All right, we got to teach you how to control your combat engine instead of letting it control you. And then you can be a world champ like me or a Navy SEAL. Or, so I drop all the things you can be a world, great all world leader, all the great things you can be. So he's like, I've never been told I could be all of this. Yeah, some kids you just know? need to hear that they can do something. They, a lot of times, that's it. Then, yeah. they, then you put them on that path, and they put that energy into that. And then you show them where when you're doing this, you're pulling yourself off your path. Yeah. Well, I don't want to do that. You know, I got to be what I said I'm going to be. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's it, that's where I feel it's at with these kids. I get them in there, and the main thing I do is I always say this too when they're sitting there. I say, uh, I got a kid in the other room. He's tough. You want to fight him? And the one with combat energy, yeah, I'll fight him. They yeah. ain't going to back down. Even though they know if they get beat up, they will not back down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's how I was. I didn't care. Cops roll up with guns and everything. I don't care. Shoot. Yeah. You know, it'd be a day encoded that I'm going to back down. 
But look how powerful I became when it got guided in the right direction right. by the right person. Right. You know, now I train cops. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I teach them how to act and teach people how to act when a cop pull them over. You know, but that's the same thing. When that kid's like, oh, I don't, yeah, yes, sir, I'll fight anybody. I'm, I'm not afraid. But if they're kind of like, uh, I say, okay, that's not a bad kid. He just don't have combat energy. And that's my specialty. Yeah. Is those one of those daredevils that everybody else thinks is a problem because they don't know how to handle it and train them. And, and deal with them. So that's, so that's the foundation we're trying to start right now. Right and it's been doing really good. You see on my page, I run a fundraiser because I'm trying to connect the community with these kids. So I don't let the parents pay for it. You know, it's a train. They get six weeks of training from me, and I put a thing up, say, hey, I got a combat energy kid. Come on, community. Come together and show them that you care about them. Oh, nice. And, man, they, they come together. It'd be a week. Two, they, okay, he's funded. You know, put the next one up. We got to – well, he's funded. I didn't even get to put it up. You know, yeah. here's another. But that's and then I tell those kids, hey, it's people out there you never even met who care about you. Yeah. They pay for this. And I tell that mom, you know, mostly single moms. Now you see, there are people in the community who care about you. Don't think I know we all go through breakups and yeah. things like that. That don't mean the world's against you. These guys help with you. And those mom, oh my God, that is so. So that gives they confidence. Yeah. You know? Well, they're or, not alone. Yeah. Or dad or whoever it is. So yeah. That's what we try to work with the foundation. Right on. You know? So if people want to get a hold of you or they wanted to train or, or help fund a kid or like how, so what, where can they check you out at? I'm at JermaineAndre.com, of course, and JermaineAndreMartialArts.com. Mm -hmm. I'm on Facebook, Jermaine Andre. And let me get my phone number. I don't know my phone number. <laughs> So, yeah. I know people say, "Why don't you know your number?" I said, "I never called myself." Yeah, I mean, so. it's especially. I mean, who remembers anybody's yeah. number these days? I said, "You know, my daughter's phone number is." They said, "What, Caitlin?" That's what it says in my phone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't ever look at a number. It's her name. You know? That's funny. All right, six three six three seven three four nine eight nine. People can text me there, and you know, my thing is, I don't, I don't teach a certain thing. You come to me, and I'm gonna find out what I feel you need to learn. Yeah. And then I tell you, hey, this is what I think you get. You know, you get a free consultation assessment with me. I say, sit down. This is what I think you need. You know, what's going on in your life? And then you say yes or no. And then you tell me what you need because I'm not going to make you do something you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, unless I think what you're trying to do is stupid. You know, somebody come to me that want to hurt people. Yeah. You know, I tell them, I can't. That's, I'm sorry. That's not what I'm about. Yeah. You know, yeah. It doesn't people. align with what you're doing. But if you, my number, 636-373-4989, text me. Don't call. Yeah. I don't answer my phone. I'm going to be straight with you. Even my mother knew that. That's so don't fair. call me, mom. Text me. Because <laughs> yeah, too many man. people call and I end up on the phone too long. You see how long I can talk. You well, and the thing is, like, text, like, then you can look at it and you can get to it later. Make you know time what I mean? for yeah. you know, It's just like everybody's like, demanding of your time right now. Everybody wants your time right now. It's like. I remember a parent was walking through the halls, walking through my hall my school. I was going to the office, had class. The parent said, uh, sir, can I speak with you real quick? I said, no. And I walked. I said, sorry, <laughs> no. And they just kind of. And I said, well, wait here. I'll be right back. And I went down, started class, and said, you need to set an appointment. They said, well, it won't take but a minute. I said, no, listen to me. The reason I'm telling you you need to set an appointment is because I respect you. And I don't want to just feed you some garbage as quick as I can. Just to, It may take longer. Yeah. So I want to give you my respectable time so I can sit down and listen to you. Yeah. And you can get off your chest in a respected environment instead of trying to whisper it in my ear while these parents. And they said, and it was serious. You know, I mean, we sat there and talked for an hour and a half about what was going on. It's never just know? a minute. Yeah, never. If it is, you would be trying to stop me right now. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you just want me to talk to you right now. That's yeah. all. So, so that's why I say with text, text me. If you don't hear from me in a couple of days, hit me again because yeah. I'm bird. But, yeah, calling me, I'm never going. And then you got them telemarketers out there now. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. My, my volume's off. <laughs> well, patience is key. Anytime you're trying to get a hold of somebody, that's the one thing I want. Just just be patient. Yep. It just is what it is. You can't take anything personal. No, you can't. Yeah. Not these days. <laughs> no, man. Like, everybody's living life.
Yeah. So, hey, man, thank you so much, Jermaine, for joining me, dude. Definitely, um, Fellow warrior anytime. It's been a fantastic conversation. So um, I'm going to leave the floor to you, though. If there's anything else you wanted to leave, I know we've kind of already pointed people to most places, but if there's anything else you wanted to leave with the listeners, um, I'll leave it to you. I would. Um, with everything we got going on, you know, I think, you know, we, when I say Americans, I'm talking anybody that drinks water here, that eats the food here, that drives the roads here, that burns the gas here. You're an American because that's what's keeping you alive. And we, separation is the way to make us destroy destroy each other. And then the people that separate us are going to come in and destroy who's left, you know, or enslave them in the way that they're going to enslave them. We got to start being more compassionate towards each other, uh, trying to understand each other. You know, a lot of times when you meet somebody and they're acting a certain way, it's because things are bad in their life. They're going through something really hard. So if you be compassionate and have confidence in yourself, you can do or say something that can make that person change that person's life. Like this warden sitting there dealing with all of us criminals every day. And he didn't judge us. He didn't look down on us. We came in. He said something, the right thing, where he could put us out there and none of us stabbed each other. None of us fought each other because he showed us we had value. Everybody has that power. That's nothing special I can do. What I do with people, you know, you people bring their kid to me and I boost their confidence. All I'm doing is showing them they got value and being kind to them and trying to be understanding that, man, you might be going through something way worse than me. Okay, let's say it's like today. You know, you come up here and we're doing the podcast, everything goes good. I don't know what you went through yesterday. You know what I'm saying? But let's say I come here with attitude and this and that. And, you know, man, let's hurry and get this podcast out the way. I got things to do. You know, and you just, and you wasn't even supposed to be here because you're supposed to be somewhere else on the emergency. So you here suffer. You know what I'm saying? People go through stuff. You give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. That kills your ego. Then that opens you up to them. When they feel you open up to them, they're going to go. And that's going to kill their ego. Right. And then they're going to open. Then you're going to communicate. Then you're going to start laughing. You're going to realize, whoa, hey, I was thinking you were an idiot because you did this. I would have did the same shit you did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, now you got a friend. So I think as Americans, we need to stop telling people what to think. Shut the hell up. Ask them what they think and try to feel and listen to them. Right. And if we can do that with each other, you know, we can stop this this big madness of just this separation that's trying to really break us apart, you know, and everybody can see more clear what's going on out there. Yeah, 100%, man. I mean, divided we fall. Plain and simple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, man. Hey, that's an excellent note to, to end on. So, right on. Yeah. All right, everybody. Until next time. All right. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you are getting value out of that podcast, go tell a friend. Um, also, leave a rating, leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five star rating review. Um, and then, as always, this episode is brought to you by Imposed Will. Go check us out. Go check out our full line of apparel. Help us grow this thing and spread the message and help others impose their will on life. Get on the mailing list as well so you can stay up to date on everything that's going on. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. I'll catch you guys next time. See you later, guys.